Yes, people, what is good? It is your boys back again for another episode of BRB with your host, Cal Sirius, the foreign minister of BRB podcast, alongside my co-host, Man Like. Ash, what's happening? Well, how's, how's it going right now, Ash? You good? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, man. I've got the uh, pop the top belly kind of mood right now. Pop, 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 <laughs> pop the button, pop the top button on your jeans and let the belly hang out kind of mood. Okay, right yeah, now. you I said you had that, that gracious food. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about food just before we started recording, weren't we? And um, it, it wasn't uh, African and Caribbean food, it's actually a bit of Turkish cuisine, but I'm feeling oh, good. Nice. But... Cool, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Just want to say a quick shout out to my son, Mason. Happy fourth birthday. It was on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, just wanted to acknowledge the little man. He had an amazing day. Um, but yeah, it's been a good week for me, man. Um, went back to school. It was nice to kind of get back in the mix after everything COVID that's been happening. And yeah, it really it really starts on Monday. So mm. maybe the next month when I'll be like, them kids need to go back into lockdown. <laughs> but well, it's been six months. And, like everyone's kind of on a high in it and everyone's been missed. So, so yeah, it's been a good week. I'm sure everyone's a bit worried with their kids going back to school now. Uh, how's the social distancing going to work? I'm not mm. sure what that school run looks like right now. Is it is it a bit manic or is everyone keeping two metres apart and you wearing know masks what? and stuff? It was real light this week because I think not that many, because a lot of schools were taking this week to plan for what their provision is going to look like. So we had no, normally we'd have students in on the second day back, but we're going to have students in on the fifth day back now. And I think a lot of schools are kind of taking that stance. So I think next week is when a lot of people are going to go back into school full time, and then we're really going to see what the state of what the state of play is. Cool. Um, well, we've got a special guest with us today, haven't we? Yep, yep. We do, um, we do, we do. Do you want to go ahead and, and do the honors? You know, it's, it's really hard for me to even pitch like how to set this guy up because he he is one of my my longest friends, one of my best friends, um, an amazing creative, a great sportsman. Um, yeah, just a really good soul and someone who I've learned a lot from over my course of, of life as such. Um, oh. He's originally from London, yeah. He lives in Scotland at the moment. Um, our families are, like, intertwined. He's my son's god um, godfather as well. Um, yeah, and he's just an all-round great guy. I'm going to hear a lot from him today. So just want to introduce my guy, Aleem, a.k.a. DJ Tone. What's going on? What's going on, Ash? Yo, I need to get the tissues after that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was welling up. I was welling up. <laughs> um, nah, yeah. Um, Aleem Ellington, DJ Ellington. Some call me Tone. Um, yeah, like Ashley said, man. Like I've been, we've been friends from one day. Like our mums were friends before we were even on the yeah. scene. It's literally day ones and fourth. But yeah, I'm glad to be on the podcast, man. Massive fans to you guys every every other week. I try and keep up with the football stuff. I'm not really a football fan like that, but it's always interesting to hear people get into it over something that they're passionate about. <laughs> I still tune in. I've learned a few things, but for the most part, the football thing goes over my head. But yeah. Oh, thanks for locking in. It's, 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 yeah, nice, it's nice to have you on. Appreciate that, man. Um, we were having a great convo earlier about how you two met... Um, like, can you like tell the listeners a little bit about about your background there? Yeah, um, so our mums worked together at BT and they were both professional chefs. So mm. we've been very lucky to have like the best possible cuisine just served <laughs> up to us on a regular. And Mumsy always listens as well. And I've never really given her a shout out as well. So like 
yeah, shout out to mum. Not just a great cook, but just an amazing role model. And I thank you for everything you've ever done. So, yeah. Oh, this is the sweetest episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're going to have to call it the sweet episode. <laughs> <laughs> Beer wrapping sweets. The sugar episode. Sweet tooth. Come on. Um, that's dope, man. Um, I'm sure Mumsy's going to be happy with that shout out. And I was just thinking, your Christmas dinners must have been mad. Like, if the, t- if the two ladies ever right. linked up and made a Christmas dinner together or a barbecue or family function, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That would last until Easter. Yes, steady. The second, like, literally, it would clean last till Easter. You know, it's funny. So, like, even at Christmas, when, like, everyone leans down from Scotland and I go to his mum's, like, it's not, you know, you just walk in, it's like, oh, yeah, you just cooked the day before. But, like, Angela's just there just knocking out a next meal, like, yeah. elite. And you're just like, right, don't you stop. But I suppose cooking is a skill that you never really, like, you never really lose, innit? Mm. Um, and, you, and again, once you're, once you're, like, confident as a chef, you just start to experiment with more and more stuff. Mm. Like, they can do everything. Like, any, any cuisine, they can absolutely smash. Like, it's, it's been lovely. Patterned over the years, it's just been mm. able to, like, whip it up within minutes and, like, not even, like, think about it. It's not yeah. even... But, like, for me, when I first, like, left home and I started, like relying on myself to cook and stuff i had to like think about planning and like oh if i go to the supermarket today i have to buy this ingredients and when i get home i need to this that and the other i need to like plan the whole thing my mom would just come in the door look in the fridge all right cool boom and then within minutes it's like on the table i'm like how did you do this she's like just practice i guess just over the years but yeah yeah them ones they just that's how you know you're a master at what you do Mm. What's weird is back in the day, I never, used, I never used to cook that much because my viewpoint was my mom can cook everything twice as good as me in half the time. Mm. But naturally, being around that, you pick up a lot of her skills yeah. and you see how she like preps the food and gets everything ready. Mm. So, like genuinely, being in the kitchen with like our parents, it's a real, it's a learning curve. Like you see, you actually see beauty, like in the prep as well as kind of tasting beauty when it, like when it's well, like, when it's made. So. Yeah, big shouts to them. One thing that uh, me and Ashley learned, like we're in a similar situation sibling-wise, where we've got um, our youngers are like nine, ten years younger than us. Mm. So there was often a point where like our moms would be like, all right, I'm on the way home from work or whatever. Can you like that chicken in the fridge? Can you pull it out and then season it up and then whatever? Yeah. When and the, or we'll be looking after our youngers, like prepping them some food or whatever. But obviously, like we learn by instruction, but we weren't, we weren't realizing that we were actually picking up life skills mm. at the time. We just thought, "Oh, this is just another chore, isn't it?" But when you're cooking for somebody else, it's different when you're cooking for yourself. So, I think when we were growing up, we had to like look after the youngers, and then boy, then when we left the home, I just started mm. un untap. I took the top off all these things that I've learned over the years. I was like, "Raw, I know a lot more about cooking than I ever would have thought." Yeah, I'm also knowing though is with them times there we were pausing PlayStation One. Get me. Tekken was 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 guaning. Crash Bandicoot Jeez. was running, and we had to stop that to kind of like season chicken. But yeah. the fear the fear is that mum came home and the chicken wasn't seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> I was so. just gonna ask you, know, like, you guys ever like have, have your mum ever said, uh, "Can you take the chicken out of the freezer so when I get home I can cook it?" And then you forgot to take it out. They what? Like that's that's elementary, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we were already on seasoning by the time everyone like I've seen the jokes kicking about like oh yeah like you said like you forget to take the chicken out of the freezer and your mum pulls in the driveway nah B <laughs> the chicken had to be ready to go in the oven of preheated ready yeah 
we were we pretty much half cooked it by the time our parents came. There home. was no there was no wiggle room. Nah. Mm-mm. That's yeah. so so. All right. Which one of you two is the best cook? That's what I want to know. Like, if you lot was gonna have a battle, you're gonna have a clash. Like, you know, Mike Man versus Sound Man. So I don't know. Um, Ashley's never actually had any of my food. I went to yeah. Ashley today, and he made mutton and rice, and it banged. And I tasted it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is level still." Yeah, because whenever like it's weird, <laughs> whenever we've linked up, we haven't actually cooked for each other yet. So yeah, it's a, it's a tie. It's, our, it's a tie. Mom's house. Yeah, yeah, it's a tie. It's a tie for now. Okay, okay. Any any particular dishes you picked up from Mumsy? Oh, curry goat and rice, um, chicken, mac and cheese. So my mom, so my mom's mac and cheese is dope, yeah. And a key ingredient she uses is mustard. Like not everyone uses mustard in the really? mac and cheese, but if you use the mustard in the cheese sauce, it gives it more of a kick and it brings out the flavor of the cheese. So yeah, listen, my mom's got pure little hack. She's probably going to be like, Ashley, why are you giving out the goods for? Pro <laughs> tip. No, like, that was a pro tip, right? Yeah, but no, okay. that's just one tip. A little bit of mustard in the cheese sauce, like it does, it does wonders. Yeah, still. I mean, my mum's um, my mum's Guyanese, so the um, the curry chicken, yeah. oh, chicken curry, however they call yeah, it, property. Like when when I come in, I can smell it from outside the door. And when you see that that Dutch pot on the oven, in the, you know the center hob. Even like your mum's roti as well, like bro. Yeah, remembers roti. that. Oh, and you know what it is? This seems like a small thing, but you know the Caribbean homemade coleslaw. Oh, that's my favorite. Them ones there. I've never had any kind of sport or any kind of like restaurant yeah. that can that can yeah. outpace a Caribbean home homemade coleslaw. It's elite. You can't touch it. I, and I challenge everyone to try. This is this has gone from like beer wrap and sweets <laughs> to come down with me. <laughs> we are remodeling ourselves today, Cal. <laughs> hey man, it is all good. Yeah. Like we will definitely like to eat. Like, I, I, I like to hear that. Um, it seems like you guys have had a similar experience to me growing up, mm. um, and maybe that just rings through throughout the community as well. Because um, my mum wasn't a chef, but she definitely did like to throw down. Mm. So, yeah, big up to all the mumsies out there that are uh, passing on some skills and, 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 you know, cooking with love. Cooking up food with love. We need that, man. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so we've heard a little bit about y- your kind of upbringing and how you ended up kind of meeting Ash, which kind of brings you to, to how you ended up being on our podcast today. Mm. But can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Or like, who is Aleem Ellington? Um... Why? Where do I start? So basically, um, but yeah, so back in like, I'll start from that school, I guess. Uh, I went to school, um, primary school. I was in uh, South London. So I've, I've done a bit of moving around as Vauxhall, to be precise. And then um, when I went to high school, I moved into West, uh, Northwest London, Kilburn. So I went to a school called Quinton Kiniston. Shout out to QK lot. And um yeah, so obviously I've kind of moved around and I played basketball in London as well. So I got to know a lot of people all over London just from traveling, playing away games. So that was a big part of my life, basketball, which is why I'm a massive basketball fan. Um, Shane Ben isn't with us today. I'm sure he would uh, he would have loved to have a little basketball right, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a basketball head as well still. Um, and then, yeah, so Northwest London pretty much grew up there. Um, majority of my family, in fact, all of my family from Northwest London, like the 
Kensal Green, Wilsden, or now now up into Harrow and stuff like that. So that kind of part of London. And then um, when I was 19, actually, I went to study in Edinburgh, in Scotland. Never, ever been to Scotland before. Didn't even go to, like, the open day of my uni. Um, basically, I got, an, I got an unconditional offer, and I was just like, right, that's me sorted. So I stepped up here 2006, October 2006. Ironically, I left London, and you know, that I always get this chat about the weather in Scotland or it. but I left London. We woke up at like five in the morning to get the train, and it was howling down with rain. Like it was coming down hard in, Lon- in London. And um, so I'm getting on, on the train, going up the road. As soon as I step out of uh, Waverley train station, which is the main train station in Edinburgh, bright sun <laughs> I said, well, this ain't what i thought it was gonna be so i've come out i've walked up the road to the main street to get the bus that what do i see in the corner bagpipes blazing them out <laughs> <laughs> Random. <At> least, <laughs> i said okay now nah, yeah definitely in scotland because you won't find there's nowhere else in the world um but yeah so i think that was the first time i thought ah. Oh, I definitely don't know what I've I've thought I was walking into. Like I'm so like out of my depth here. I don't know. I have no preconce. I had a preconceived notion of Scotland, and then that changed within the first ten minutes of me being in there. And Is it, are there still people walking around in kilts with bagpipes like in 2020? So basically, obviously it's traditional. It's traditional like attire and yeah. Stuff. Like so for what, a wedding or something. Yeah, but what this particular person was doing is they they're like a tourist, so like a busker. Okay. In London or wherever, playing guitar, this guy was doing it on the street corner. Now, the council, Edinburgh Council, are really, really up on like arts and traditional expression of the Scottish culture. So, if you're a bagpiper or a piper, as they call them up here, um, and you want to do busking with a pipe, you're more than likely going to get a license to do it because they're just like, yeah, that's we we want everyone, we want people to see this, especially on the the main street, Princess Street, it's called there's like bagpipers in certain places and it's just like people just go as they're piping away they take photos of you um you know pause and piping away (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so it's like it's like it's not like people just randomly kicking about or they pull up to a rave with a bagpipe or whatever but it's um it's definitely something that they promote around scotland Oh, so, so you, sorry, you, I started to kind of interrupt you there. You, you was telling us about your kind of first experience of arriving in Scotland there. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of follow on from that. So basically, yeah, so I've, I've, I've come out the train station and I'm on the way to campus. And this would have been late September, if I remember, mm. late September. And I've gotten there and I'm like, oh, okay. And my mom's looking around, obviously, she's proud. She ain't stopped smiling since we got on the train. She's like, oh, my son's going to uni. And, and you know, I shall tell you exactly, like, our mums, when they found out we were going to mm. education, that was their, like, their mm. dream goal almost come true, like, living vicariously through us. Mm. So um, I've gotten on, my mum's loving it. She's more excited to be there than I am because I'm looking 101. at... 101. 101. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at it from a, wow, this is me for the next four or five years and my mom's like oh this is exciting my son's in uni like telling everyone that her son's in uni like everyone ain't in the same position <laughs> <laughs> my son's at university like, yeah so is mine by the way that's why we're all here but um but no and then i moved into dorms luckily um my cousin he lived in edinburgh um he was at a different university he was at edinburgh university whereas i went to Heriot watt 
and um, he was already in there. So I kind of was like, I wasn't so far alone. I was like, okay, I've got family up here, and you know, he looked after me for the first year, um, and yeah, so, so came. As soon as I uh, got into my dorms, I got settled very quickly. Like I shall tell you, I'm not really like uh, I don't I'm not like home. I don't get homesick or anything like that. I'm quite, you know, I can adjust well to different environments. And um, yeah, I just set up. First thing I set up was my stereo. I was like, right, we need to have music. We need to get this music popping. Like I don't know what kind of crowd they have out here or what kind of scene like clubbing wise they have out here, but you know, I know what I'm bringing to the table in terms of like what I want to listen to. So the first thing I did is set up my stereo and I start playing. I think the big tune back then was um, Char Millionaire. They see me rolling. Yeah. Hey, like 06, that banged. Um, and then I was playing that and I remember some guy knocking on my window. Like, because I had a ground floor accommodation. So it's a knocking on my window because you could hear the music. I opened the thing. This guy, my friend called Butch, He's from Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, I remember Butch. <laughs> Butch from Zimbabwe, like, hey, what's up, guy? It's good to see another black man. <laughs> so, yeah, so Butch was the first person I actually met on campus. And it was this guy from Zimbabwe, just like a proper smiling, you know, just very happy to be outside of Zimbabwe, like just chilling. And, um, and then he introduced me to a couple of his flatmates because he'd already been there for like a day or so. So he'd already met a few people. And then, yeah, man, I just noticed like being on campus, it was very easy to integrate with different types of people because everyone's there pretty much for the same reason. And I think because I had such a positive introduction to Scotland, I've just always loved it from then. I've just always had a positive view on like the people in Scotland and just the environment. And, and then, yeah, and I shall tell you, man, I'm not looking to come back to London to live. Mm. I'm soon. And you know what? That's the, hook, line, yeah, and sinker. Hundred percent. It was a bag. It was a bagpipe. Still. <laughs> as soon as you saw the bagpipe, yeah, God, I see. I'm not going back. Yeah, it, but... in, it is interesting because we always have this conversation where, like, you went up there, and naturally you think, okay, people go up for uni, then they kind of come back to resettle back in. They have that moment away, but you, you very much said, "This is me," and mm. that. So, like, what's kept you in Scotland for 14 years? So I think for me, it's just, I'm a man of convenience and I try and like schedule my lifestyle or pattern my surroundings as to what's easy for me. What's the most efficient way for me to get done without stress and, you know, moving too quickly or moving too fast. Like I like having like, like building an environment of comfort, but, you know, still within my, you know, abilities to like, ex like extend beyond it. So when I got here, I realized oh, everything's like really close. So even though I was living basically just on the outskirts of Edinburgh, because that's where the campus was, it only took 20 minutes by bus to get into the, the centre of town. And in my head, I was like, you can never do this in London. Mm. What, go to a rave and then be home in 20 minutes? Like, that's impossible. Or like go shopping in like West End. You can never go to Oxford Street and then think, oh yeah, I'm going to be home in like 20 minutes. Nah, it's a good like 30, 40 minutes to before you get home in big traffic. So I was like, oh, this is really, really convenient. This is really easy to, it's easy to navigate around. And then as I'm kind of going through uni and I'm noticing little pockets of things that haven't quite reached Edinburgh yet or haven't quite reached Scotland, like things that are really popular in London, they haven't really reached Edinburgh. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could be the first person to kind of touch on this or do this and 
you know, there's an opportunity over there that I could, you know, use and like, and uh, make popular and, you know, become the kind of spearhead for that. And I just noticed so many opportunities, even with like housing or travel or, and I was just like, this place is so convenient. And then I just started weighing it up. I was like, I could, ne- and every time I found like a little business venture or a little like project to work on, I was like, yeah, doing this in London would be like way more expensive. It'd be way more time consuming. I was just like, what am I actually going back to London for? Like, if mm. I can do what I want to do up here, and the only thing that I'm thinking of is, oh, can I do this in London? I'm like, why do I need to do it in London? Why don't I just be the guy that does this in Scotland or does this in Edinburgh? And then, and proving the pudding, it's bridged the gap. Like, I don't really feel that far from London. Like, what is it, an hour and 20 minutes? Air, mm. air, it's not that far. Like, it takes you an hour and 20 minutes to get from Harrow to Croydon, if I need to. Um. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? What, so, what, like, what, am what, I what really that transport? far from London? What mode huh? of transport are you taking to get to Scotland in an hour and 20 minutes? Plane. From, what, Heathrow or? Heathrow? Anyone, anyone. It's, it's, it's quick, um, you know. It's, uh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh to any London airport is on average about an hour and twenty. Mm. It used to be shorter. It used to be just under an hour, but then yeah. the air, um, the air traffic. So you're not allowed to fly as high, which means you can't. You you basically have to go. You can't get there quick enough. So you have to fly lower now. So it adds, it adds an extra like 20, 30 minutes on. But when I was like traveling, like when I was actually at uni, like fifty minute flight. So I go from Edinburgh to Luton, and then from Luton, it take me longer to get from Luton to my mum's house in Wembley than it would for me to get from Edinburgh to London. That traffic, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, I used to come back and I used to sit on the the, the 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 train or the bus or whatever and just cuss. I'm just like, why? Why does it take so long to get from like Luton Airport to Wembley? Like, how is this? This is ridiculous. Like, I can get up and down the country in less time. So slightly unrelated, but this is why I'm so excited about what Elon Musk is doing with the boring company. Because imagine we could have an underground network where you can you can travel quickly from the airport from Luton to Wembley or to uh, Hackney or to Croydon, you know, and you'll just be there in like 10, 15 minutes because there's no traffic. You just go under the ground. <laughs> anyway, that's that. That's a that's me completely sidetracking. <laughs> Uh, so good because to be fair there is a plans to put i mean i don't know how much um the corona situation and covid has put a halt to this but there's a plan to get a non-stop train from edinburgh to london which should get you from station to station from waverley in edinburgh to king's cross in i think around four hours okay oh, not even four hours it's less less than, i think it's like maybe three to three and a half hours and it's like non-stop. So you think to yourself, if you're a commuter, getting from Edinburgh to London in three hours, that, that's, that's an amazing feat. So technologies, like, and, that, and things like that, I'm thinking to myself, is there any need to be in London? Mm. If I can get to London so, like, like it's so accessible to me, do I need to move back to London? And then from yeah. that, with that kind of mindset and, you know, weighing up those things, I just thought, you know what? Let me just build what I want to build in Edinburgh because I can get anywhere in the country from here. So, and then my whole attitude to like, you know, buying home, buying a home, um, traveling, um, building a business, 
you know, just setting up like a base and a, and a lifestyle up here, it just changed. And once I accepted, you know, I could do this in Edinburgh, it's just been limitless from that point on, man. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's been interesting to see it, like, even from me, just kind of, because initially when you went up there, I was like, okay, cool, we'll go, we'll party, and he'll be back. Mm. And then it was like three years, then five years, then seven years. It's like, okay, he, he, he ain't coming back. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I think you I think you do well to keep the link though. Like for instance, family comes up regular, I know that you come down like at least three to four times a year whenever you can do. Or like you leave a link up with some of your friends in like, other places as well. Um like, for instance, like we're going down in December. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you I think you've got a nice balance in terms of how you keep everything together and ticking along. Yeah, man. I think that's key to life. I found just finding balance. Like a lot of things are um achievable if you just weigh them up and you time it right um like i said man like i've just found a way of setting up my business you know djing as well and i've just it's just been made i've just i've i've made a conscious effort to try and make it convenient for me to do so so that i'm not torn between should i move back to london or should i stay in Edinburgh? should i move somewhere else in the country like i've kind of just been like right this is easy for me to do here and it's grown at a pace that I'm comfortable with, I don't see the point in uh, changing it up to for, for no reason. So I mean, I'm interested. What's the, what's like the most Scottish thing you've done? Because you've heard about kind of like the bagpipes. Um, um, like obviously, there's kilts, haggis. What's the most Scottish thing you've done, bro? You must have eaten some haggis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I've eaten haggis when I went to... Of course. Edinburgh. So there's actually... I've never... Right, so I've never had the traditional old-fashioned haggis because that just sounds... To me, I, so it's like li- like a sheep's liver <laughs> and like sheep... Like it, it, like it doesn't sound appealing to me, but I've had like like traditional variations of it. So you can get like a vegetarian one, which is just like... It's almost like... if To explain it to somebody who doesn't understand like like what a haggis is it's a, imagine just like sausage casing with sheep like lamb and like oats and stuff inside of it it's effectively that i'm probably going to get slaughtered by some of my scottish friends mm. when I'm realizing it but it's a for, for people that have never had haggis before imagine this just like a massive fat sausage with like lamb and stuff and like and oats in it so it can be nice but there are variations of it but the traditional thing yeah like i said i i, I I said uh, before we even started recording, like Scottish, when you really deep the Scottish diet, it's basically designed for sustenance. It's not really food that you'd like enjoy, if that makes sense. Like they ate it because they had to eat it. That's what they had in the land. So it's kind of like utilizing every part of the animal by any means necessary. So I've never had the traditional one, but I say, all right. So there is this thing for anyone who doesn't know, it's a deep fried Mars bar. <laughs> Sounds wild, right? I heard and that originated in Glasgow, is it? Yeah, it's it's a Glaswegian thing, but it's spread so far out just because it's it's now typically a Scottish thing because nowhere else in the world would, you know. I mean, there's probably places in America that do it, but I've never heard anyone else in the world. Like, I've got American friends that come over and they're like, oh, what? A deep fried Mars bar? What, like a candy bar? And you just throw it in deep fried? It's like, yeah, <laughs> this is what happens. Um, so they deep fry that, and I've had one. I had one bite of it, and I was like, it tastes okay, but I couldn't have another bite, man. That's straight diabetes right there. The calories <laughs> on that is horrific. 
Um, another Scottish thing that I've done. So there's an extinct volcano in Edinburgh city centre called Arthur's Seat. So when my mum visited, uh, we actually walked up it. It doesn't. It's not massive anymore. It takes maybe about an hour and a half, two hours to walk up it. So that, and then from the top of that, the view is quite amazing because you can literally see the entire city of Edinburgh and then beyond it. So it's actually really nice. So some of the outdoorsy stuff, that's probably the most Scottish thing I've ever done. Oh, I've been to a Cayley. A Cayley is, imagine, imagine Scottish line dancing with like fills and pipes and all the rest of it. That's basically what it is. So it's like an orchestrated line dance and they've got different um, songs you have to do different dances to. So I've done a few of those. But yeah, Scottish, Scotland has got a lot of like traditional things. Like their culture is deep um, and there's a lot of things you can immerse yourself in. So after 14 years, I finally managed to do quite a few things. That's tight, man. I wish I was a bit more well-versed in uh, Scottish culture. Um, but um, yeah, I'll have to... I'll have to maybe visit one day and see exactly what's going down up there. It's been a while since I last been, but I've got good memories of being there. Um, You've been before, yeah? With with the family when I was a kid, we went on a family holiday. Okay. Um, And yeah, yeah, we went up to Edinburgh and and, and I remember enjoying myself, man. It was nice. But uh, yeah, it'd be totally different now in 2020 than when I was like 13 or 14, wouldn't it? Uh, bruv, don't even get me started, bruv. Like, I said this to Ashley during the week. Hey, <clears throat> I, I don't even want to say too much before I get myself mashed up and cancelled, right? But the way. <laughs> Careful. How was that be? They, they just got Nick Cannon. How was that be that are like governing this country? I want you to pay attention to the words I'm using. The powers that be that are governing this country are. They're making a mockery of it, to be honest. Um, so I'll give you an example, prime example. So you know like how down south, no, none of the clubs or none of the nightclub venues are open, but the bars are open and you can still have DJs and there's still music. And, you know, as long as everyone's obeying social distancing and keeping to their own little quote unquote bubbles and their own tables and stuff, everyone can still have a vibe. In Scotland, any public area, bars, um, supermarkets, you're not allowed to have any music. Not a DJ, not a playlist, not a piper, not a fiddler, nothing. Nice. You're not allowed to have any music. So right now, walking around Edinburgh and like going into bars and stuff, it's just weird. It's just mm. very, very strange. Like you can hear people like, you can make out what people are talking about. Like their conversations are so easy. That it's just odd. Mm. You go into a venue and yeah, the venue might be buzzing of people like actually having good conversation or whatever, but it's just odd. And when you consider Edinburgh to be one of the one of the biggest tourist uh, to host one of the biggest tourist attractions in the world by way of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, when you come to Edinburgh, like being in Edinburgh in August, it was just so weird, man. Like I speak to everybody that I spoke to, they were like, "Yeah, this is uh, this is not the same. It's like being in a alternate universe." And yeah. it's like even just a little bit of music, man. But the government have just decided no music everywhere. Wow. Didn't you guys used to have like a, a carnival? Yeah, um, so it's the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So that's that's exactly the one. Arts and comedy festival. So what happens is every August, um basically just thousands of performers, whether it be comedians, 
dance acts, um, theater performers, actors, like they just come up here and they literally every venue in Edinburgh is being used to showcase arts, talents, comedy and all the rest of it, music and stuff. And there's literally something for every age group from like infants right up to like 60 and 70 year olds, 70 year olds. There's stuff inside venues, like by way of comedy acts, there's stuff outside venues. They've got like this one thing um, where it's basically a walking silent disco where you go on a tour of Edinburgh, but you're wearing headphones and you're just having a disco with you and the people that are doing this tour. And you're just walking around Edinburgh. There's food stalls everywhere. The, the city literally transforms for a whole month into this thriving outdoor party for August. And it's been like that for years. I can't remember how many years it's been going on, but it's, it's been like this for like decades. And it's, it's very perceived uh, ignorant. Um, I'm, I'm aware of the Edinburgh Festival, uh-huh. which, as you say, is well-renowned in comedy and in sort of like performing arts and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but what I thought is that you actually had a carnival, kind of like how we have the Notting Hill Carnival down here, and then you've got Luton Carnival, Birmingham oh, no. Carnival. You no. don't have one in Scotland? No, there's nothing like that. Um, no, there's nothing like that. No, no, not at all. I'm just trying to yeah. think if there's anything. Nah, there's nothing like that up here. Until you make it. What That's it, man. Carnival mm. at, uh, at DJ Ellington's yard. <laughs> um, Carnival in the back garden. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, nah, there's nothing like that so far. I mean, I can definitely see... I mean, when you look at, like, the history of Carnival and, like, who it caters to originally, like Notting Hill Carnival and all the rest of it, the fact that there are a growing population of African and Caribbean people in, in Scotland... I can see it happening. I can see it happening. Hey, when the demographic is there, maybe you know, not for the next ten, maybe fifteen years. But you know, fifteen years comes and goes like that, boy. So who Trust knows? Me. I could be Trust involved, me. and I would love to be involved in 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 something like that. Like I would love it. Um, yeah, speak moment, it into existence, man. And when it happens, make sure you give us an invite. BRB, chilling and enjoying. I'll no. tell you what, actually, not. Uh, there might, what you might be referring to is Hogmany, which is the New Year's Eve street party. Okay. So basically, Hogmany is the Scottish, like we just, they call it Hogmany. I'm not entirely sure of the history of that word. I think it just means New Year in like Gaelic, which is like the traditional Scottish language. Um, but basically, every December 31st, on the main street, Princess Street, there's like, it's, it's locked off and it's basically just a street party. And people are just there for the bells, and they. I think you can start get you can start going, and from like, I think like seven eight p.m. in the evening, and then you at the, the bells go. They've got the big um, ta- um, clock tower. The car it overlooks the castle, and then there's a concert in the in the gardens, which is like next to it, and it's just like a massive street party. But then once the bells goes, they open up the gates, and everyone goes to their you know respective clubs or homes or whatever. So it's basically just a street party for like five, six hours on the 31st of December. But it's not like a carnival or anything. There's no floats or, or like food stalls or like there's only one sound system and it just caters for the whole street. So it's pretty cool. Like I've been, I've been twice, but after you've been twice, there's not much else to experience from it. It's good to go. I would, I would encourage people to go to it, but it's not, it's not like if you miss it, you're not missing anything like spectacular. Unless it's like a band that they've booked that you really, really enjoy. 
it's like a, mm. a good way to see like a, a gig or whatever. Cool, Scottish party, man. I'm up for that. Oh, it's live, man. They, Scottish people definitely know how to throw a party. They love it. They definitely know how to drink at a party. Oh, damn straight, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you obviously we've spoken about events and kind of you've started your kind of events company. Can you tell us a bit more about that and just kind of what the view, other views that you have for it in the next few years? Okay, so uh, yeah, so I started uh, First Place UK which is a, an event planning and entertainment company. So originally it was just an events entertainment company. Um, at one of my previous jobs, they basically found that I was a DJ and they wanted to start doing events. And this was for um, Basketball Scotland. And my line manager at the time just says, ah, oh, as part of our event, you know, would you mind playing music and maybe like introducing some of the players as they come onto the court? don't have to do any commentary or anything, but just kind of like the introduction to the game, it would probably make it a bit more of an event if we had someone to do that. And obviously I was a DJ, used to being on the mic, used to playing music. I was like, all right, yeah, that's cool. Obviously I'm working for the company at this at this point. Then my contract ended and, you know, I decided to leave. And uh, they were still asking me every, every year when they have like, they have like four or five events a year. They were always asking me to do it. And I was like, do you know what? I could... I could do this. This could be a thing. Again, like I said, I came to Scotland and I noticed gaps in the market. Things that weren't happening that could that were already sorted in London. I was like, up here, I was like, oh, no one's doing this already. All right, I'll do it. So they basically asked me to do the sporting side of it. And then with that, I got um, introduced to some of the netball, the high-profile netball games, etc. And yeah, so event, initially it was just an events entertainment company. And then... Uh, you know, word of mouth traveled. I got approached by some people that worked for different companies. They're like, oh, do you like plan events? Are you any good at like seminars and all the rest of it? And I and me being me, say yes, learn straight away. Like learn on the job kind of thing or just say, yeah, I can do that. And then just go and Google everything you can about it. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so I, I got into planning events. So I have a contract with a couple of uh, uh companies who do seminars for their employees you know, have like keynote speakers you know all that kind of um very very civil very corporate settings so it's not it doesn't require music or anything but maybe they'll need like a teleprompter or a projector and they've got like you've got to cater for like 100 to 200 people and get the logistics for the whole event for like maybe like it's a three-day event and you've got to get the logistics right and they'll fly people in like keynote speakers from like all over the country and you've got to find them somewhere to like sleep and stay and, you know, accommodate them by way of like hospitality and stuff. And it just kind of grew from that. So now it's become a event planning and entertainment company. So there's the planning side and then there's the entertainment side. Sometimes they cross over, but often or not, they're just two kind of separate entities. Sick. Interesting. That's dope, man. Do you ever get to meet any uh, celebrities through that line of work? Not not yet. Um, what? Nah, I'm lying. In the sporting side, I do, but it's 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 kind of odd because I do know a lot of like celebrities. Um, he probably won't like me calling them. But there's a basketball player, a Scottish basketball player called Kieran Achara. Now he is Scotland's like golden child when it comes to like um, Scottish basketball because he's also played for GB. He's retired now, but he plays for GB and. Within in his own rights, he is a celebrity. 
he's not like you know Love Island level or whatever, but in Scotland he's a big deal. Uh, I guess in the UK, um, like Ben will know who he is, um, following basketball. And um, but in terms of like high high profile, no, I've not met anyone high. Uh, I think I think so. you mentioned keynote speakers. So I was thinking, I wonder what kind of people you've had come down and um. Oh yeah, we're talking talk. about like uh, directly applicable to um, to the industry. Mm. So, like I work for, I can't say which one, but I work, I work alongside uh, a bank, and they have, have like these massive like financial like gods. I guess they would refer to them as like people that have made business and been high up in the bank, and they come down and they give talks on that. But I don't know who they are. Like you go on their Twitter page and they've got like thousands of followers, but I'm just like, you just look like any regular Joe to me. But they're like, like they're like king of their trade kind of thing. So. But now I've not met anyone like famous, famous yet. Anyway, except for us two, of course. I accept you, man. Come on, BRB in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's coming. It's coming. Hundred percent. So, with, so kind of like with all of that stuff happening, and obviously with COVID kicking off, like that's what to have had like a major strain on what you've been able to do. So, how have you kind of survived COVID? Yeah. Boy financial preparation i say this to anybody who is thinking of starting a business or who is in the early stages of their business get you an accountant that is the difference between you going broke and you surviving situations like this you must get yourself an account somebody somebody who knows finance not money somebody who knows finances like on a professional level because some of my accountants gave me when i first uh, registered my company um obviously i got an, myself an accountant and obviously initially i wasn't bringing in lots of money you know because i'm starting up i've only got a few um bookings here and there clients and that early I, sorry go on. early days yeah exactly early day stuff so but he 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 gave me some gems he gave me some 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 really cool gems and one of them i'll share with you so what he said to me was with all the money that you make from your business pay yourself uh, as low as possible, as low as financially, as low as possible so that you can sustain a living. He said a lot of people make the mistake of all the money that comes into their business account, they pay that as a salary to themselves. So every month the business is not really making any money because the expense of the employee, which is the person who owns the business, is basically taking all the money. He says, leave as much as you can in there without going you know broke yourself as a as a as a person but then he says personal finances he says live within seven sixty to seventy percent of your monthly income twenty percent you put into a savings account and then ten percent you put into what you call a rainy day fund a rainy day fund so basically every month i take sixty to seventy percent and that covers my living expenses covers maybe travel um, it covers, you know, food, you know, everything that I do on a monthly basis that I can't live without. 20%, 15 to 20% goes into like my um, savings account. 10% just went into a different account that I never touched. Mm. What's made, allowed me to survive in this uh, current climate is that 10%. Mm. So that 10% is allowing me to live without necessarily, without that big income coming in for my quote-unquote salary 
It's allowed me to sustain myself, but also without having to dip into my savings accounts. Because a lot of people in this situation, they think, oh, I'm going to have to dip into my savings. And it does a lot to you because your savings for a lot of people is we want to go on a big family holiday or we want to, you know, I want to buy a nice car or, you know, I want to be able to purchase, you know, go towards buying a house, for instance. Now a situation like this happens and they're having to dip into that. And it is quite, I can imagine it being quite morally degrading because you're like, I've worked so hard to put that nest egg away and now I'm chipping away at it because of something that's out of my control. Hence why the rainy day fund has come into consideration. And I'm just like, I'm so glad that he gave me that piece of information way back in the beginning of me building my business. And he put me onto other little gems about how to like, like he taught me about credit, about credit cards and all the rest of it. And he taught me about why it's so important to have a credit card or where to use a credit card um, and how to manage my finances. And a lot of people, you know, we're not taught this stuff. So yeah, get yourself an accountant and, you know, ask as many questions while you can, you know, if they're on the, if they're on an hourly wage, you know, ask as many questions as you can whilst they're on an hourly wage and, uh, yeah. And just sort that for yourself. And then, but yeah, so that's kind of what, how I've survived. Luckily for me, I don't have like regular employees. So what I do is I operate under an agency. So, um, if ever I am doing an event where I need more and more hands, um, I just hire people as and when the event calls for more and more people. A lot of the time, especially when I'm working with the sporting organizations, they'll have volunteers within their own staff. Mm. And part of the agreement I set up with them is, okay, can you delegate me two to three people that I can, you know, have, I can manage for the, to help run this event. And that's never really been an issue. Um, so again, when it came to like having to stop operations, I didn't have to worry about, uh, how is my marketing manager? How is my how is this employee going to be affected if I'm not paying him or paying her? Do you know what I mean? So I kind of that's kind of a burden that I wasn't uh, I didn't have to deal with. Um, but yeah, the, all the events stopped um, almost immediately. Uh, I was getting emails. I mean, I sent out an initial email just being like, look, whatever you want to do, how do you want to move forward? You know, dealing with X, Y, and Z, and this whole Corona situation. And near enough, all of them turn around and says, yeah, we're going to have to put everything on hold and we're going to have to postpone it or figure out a different date. And basically, we're, I'm in a situation now where we're just starting to get back into the swing of things and, you know, starting to confirm dates and you nice. know, some paper. And So, yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a... It's almost like everything just hit... The, the pause button was hit. So, right, pause operation, pick this up later on in the year when we when we know more about what we can do and what we're allowed to do I hear that man mm. no but like, like you said that's 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 amazing advice and I think if you ever listen to that even if you start to kind of like enforce the the kind of 60 70 2010 thing now um if even if you do it for a couple of years it's going to benefit you and it's definitely something that I, I will kind of take on board I don't quite do it like that um but I definitely try and do it a little bit differently um just to kind of switch up the pace a little bit, you spoke about pause. Um, these are probably, I want to ask you a question about three people that you wouldn't want to put on pause. So they, we're, like, we're big on hip hop here. Like we're yeah. big on music. We love it here. And the question that we always ask is kind of like, who are your top three selected rappers? Um, okay. So yeah. So now we're going to move on to kind of like the music vibe. 
Who's uh-huh. your top three selected rappers of all time? Dead or alive? Dead or alive. Okay, so I have to start with, you know, the, 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 the cliche. I'm a massive Tupac fan. Massive, massive Tupac fan. My favourite song of all time, of all genre, is Tupac Do For Love. And that Actually, might kind of seem kind of soft or whatever, yeah. but that bass line... What You Want Do For Love, that is a rhythm. That is a... Yeah, bar, no, like, with that. Ed, listen, that tune, and then see the bars in it? I was like, yeah, I, I dig this. It's just, they're, they're relevant now as they were mm. in seven, I think, when that song came but yeah, that, that tune is so Tupac is definitely up there. Um I'm gonna have to go Buster Rhymes because I feel like he doesn't he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think he's gonna be one of those people that everyone's like when like years from now, you know, touch words not wishing it upon him, but when he passes away inevitably, people are gonna be like throwing him up. Ah, oh, he's such a he's had one of the longest hip hop careers going and he's still active facts like we're talking like q-tip like leaders of the new school yeah pick up, bring it back what listen buster rhymes is on smoke right and i know a lot of people are like oh yeah he doesn't really have any like quality content or whatever but i think what he maybe lacks in like conscious rap he makes up for in vibe mm-hmm. There's okay. very few, like, hit Buster songs that don't shut down a rave even to this day. Like, Pastor Cavossier. You cannot play that in a song and people just look at you. you people will hit the roof. That's a mm. and, yeah, uh, even though that was a feature, but he... That, that yeah, anti- yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. his. He took that and he said... No one was listening to anti up before uh, when it was just M.O.P. Yeah, it's true. And the remix. The remix went clear. He calls for you. He demands your hype. That's basically it. And I think... He's somebody that doesn't ever seem to get mentioned. And I'm like, he's one of the longest rappers to date. And he's still killing it. You put him on any tune, it just ups the levels. Mm. Um, like, one of my favourite albums of all time is The Genesis. Yes. 2002, maybe that came out? One. And, yeah. Like, there's so many bangers on there. There's Break Your Neck, um, Pastor Cavossier, um... What's the other one? There's another one. Oh, Give me some more. It's, huh? Give me some more. No, that was on... Uh, no, that was earlier. But those two tunes right there, they still bang to this day. But that whole body of work, phenomenal. But I think that was the first album I ever bought that I listened to back-to-back without skipping. Like, I had it on um, cassette tape, and it was never. I never had to, like, fast-forward or rewind or just play the whole thing. Just looking um, at the uh, the track list now, I can see you have that tune as I come back. As yeah, I come back. All of that. <laughs> he had features from like Mary J. Blige. It wasn't even that many features on that album, if I'm if I'm, I'm no. Mary he didn't J. have many he didn't have that many features. Oh, any features he had, he'd bring in flip mode. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that, and that's and that's like I feel like to bring in your crew when you're the top dog in that crew, to me, any rapper that does that. There's not really a, like, you can't really say that he's had mad features because he's bringing in his people. Like, any one of us would, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a feature, when people talk about features on an album and they say, oh, no features, what they're talking about is there's no high caliber rappers. Like, but if you're going to bring in people, your peoples from a crew and you're already the top dog, that's, that's, that to me is what you're supposed to do. Like, mm. bringing in D12, like stuff mm. like that. You know what I mean? So, 
So there was I, listen, I listened to that album this week, actually. What, Purple Hills? Um, yeah, oh, Devil's Devil Night. Night. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I remember you gave me that. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I had it on, yeah, yeah, I had it, and I, and I burned it for you, I remember. Yeah. Oh, my I, gosh, that album is so sick. You could never release that album now, though, man. People would. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be, be nuts. Over. Um, but yeah, so that's so two, two. Bandmaster rhymes. A third one. Oh, it's techie. Uh, a third one. Boy, who was I listening to the other? Do you know what? I'm just going to have to say it. It has to be Drake. Ooh. I know that's going to upset a lot of like hip hop heads. Wow. That upset but, yeah, that doesn't, I think wow. he's worthy of being in the top five. I, I, I personally think so. Like, because when you think about his career, and obviously he's not solely a rapper. Mm-hmm. You see, when you, like, people obviously, when they talk about him nowadays, they're talking about like his, this, um, his uh, studio albums. What about the ones before, like that? Or like the old school, like, because like, I heard, I started listening to, um, Drake when he came up with uh, Little Wayne and them mm. like, he was on Young Money from like back in the day and like I heard certain tunes and I was like I downloaded certain Little Wayne songs from LimeWire and this name kept popping up like Drake there Drake said LimeWire I was, you know I was, I was like, <laughs> my laptop's health for Drake like this because I heard I heard one tune and I was like who is this brother he's got like a nice little skippy Flow and at the time, and this is why it kind of annoys me when people say that Drake is a culture vulture for the UK because he's been messing with UK artists from what day from before he was mm-hmm. started. If you ever want to Google it, Google a boy, uh, a vocalist, a UK vocalist called Voice Alexander. He's a UK R&B singer, and him and Drake have done like countless songs together from back in the day, like 2004, 2005. So when people say that like, Drake's a UK culture vulture, he's not. He's been here from mm-hmm. from. Day one he's been fucking with um artists from day one um but yeah so for me to have a career that's flourished year after year after year this is probably the slowest year he's ever had and everyone's year is slow this year and he's still popping out bangers yeah that tipsy roll tune in it yeah and no matter what people want to say about him are oh, he's soft or whatever I'm like big man he is an artist like anybody else he's probably one of the most decorated one of the most celebrated one of the most successful artists in um, hip hop music or rap music or R&B music living has yeah. he got like the, the record for the most like he's been in the charts the longest yeah second to yeah. like I think it was like Michael Jackson or something like that That's yeah, he's, he's done more he's, he's got done a new track more. out with uh, DJ Khaled that you guys might like as well Greece, he's got two. There's Greece, which originally I thought was the weekend, but it's not. It's Drake and um, Popstar. Yeah, that Popstar one. Um, I, I peeped some of the video for that. That looked dope. They had a uh, Justin Bieber in the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know what? That actually made me want to see Justin Bieber rap now, because he was literally rapping Drake's verse. Yeah. So he he he's performing Drake's uh, lyrics to yeah. Drake's song. <laughs> which I thought was a genius move to get JB in there to do that. Cause obviously all of his fans are going to now tune into that and check out the video for that. Yeah, um, so Drake's music playing in the background, Justin Bieber doing the performance and, and Justin liked it. It makes you think, yo, this guy, if he had a flow, he could probably do something, you know? Hey, listen, um, I don't put it past any musician. Like as, even as a DJ, man, like I'm, I'm kind of 
initially when I started DJing, it was like, oh, you play hip hop music, then you play R and B music, then you play funky house music. But like my kind of like style now, because I do a lot of student nights as well, is kind of trying to find a way of merging all the sounds harmonically. So even if you've got like a hip hop track, like will it work over a house beat? Can it, can it fit? And if it doesn't fit, sometimes it doesn't fit, but sometimes you find that magic blend and you're like, this bangs. So um, I'm not really into like pigeonholing artists. I don't think it's fair. Like if Rihanna wants to come out and do a whole hip hop album and just rap the whole time, and do a little bit of singing at the end of it. She's an artist. Like she's allowed to do that. That's her creative right. If Jake wants to do the same thing, if JB wants to come out and start rapping and doing all the, mad- all the madness, let him do it. They've earned the right to do that, I think. Um, but yeah, so I would say, yeah, Tupac, Pastor Rhymes, and Drake. I have to throw in Jay-Z in there, but I feel like... If you but it's the top three selected, though. Or is this an honourable mention? I feel that's an honourable mention. I'm probably going to get slaughtered for this, but like putting like Drake over Jay-Z, but I feel like... <laughs> In terms of oh, like, the comments are coming, boy. <laughs> I've got, I got, I got time. I'm, you just heard me tell you I'm, I'm not working mm. too much right now. I've got time. <laughs> but, like, energy. And, that, and that, that kind of like, see when people try and be like, oh, but he's this and he's that. And I'm like, listen, they asked me for my top three, not yours. <laughs> I've got reasons. Like, music is always going to be subjective. So it's one of them ones. But yeah, man, like, I think, I think it's. Those, between those three artists, I feel like I'm covering all bases that I, like, when I, when I go to listen to music or hip-hop or R&B music, they can cover, like, 90% of what I go to look for. I'm not going to argue with that, man. I think, um, I think, like you say, music is subjective, so you can choose whoever you want to choose. And I just love, I love this discussion. Um, I really like hearing everyone's personal take on who their favorite rappers are, mm. and you know, and if that's your top three, that's what it is. That's the, that's your top three, man. Mm. Dope, 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 dope. But um, um, now that we're on the topic of music, mm. um, I don't think you've actually told us what music you like to play yourself, Tom. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, yeah. Just to reiterate, I, I do DJ as well. That's pretty much what uh, got me through uni. Pretty much. Um, Started DJing in Edinburgh. Obviously, growing up in London, I was always around or had access to, like, um, decks. So I learned how to use the equipment when I was, like, 16, 17. Uh, one of my brethren, he doesn't DJ anymore, but one of my brethren, he had um, a pair of turntables and a mixer. And I'm sure everyone, every all of the man in London can vouch. You were either a sport guy or a music guy. You either emceed or you kickball, or play basketball, or something. You did one of those two things, or, or DJ, or whatever. But you're either a music guy or a sport guy. So when we went to my bridge's house, like, like every other Friday, we go to West End, go and get some vinyls, you know, little one-two vinyls. Like, this is when, like, what was it? It would have been around the time where, like, you know, Pirate Radio Station was banging with, like, grime. So every man thought he was an MC, like a grime MC. And like, um, we'd go to my brother's house, we'd make like little tapes or whatever. And yeah, I used to MC as well, do a little one, two on the mic. But I always found myself like being a bit more like 
focused on what the DJ was doing, what my brethren was doing on the decks. And I was like, oh, that's kind of dope and stuff. And obviously I knew about scratching, but see, when I put my hand on the vinyl, I was like, how are these men making those noises, scratching and all the rest of it? And I was like, this is impossible. But, you know, I, more time around it, I figured it out. Never intended but before, on being a DJ. But before but, you started mixing, you were spitting, you were spitting two or two bars. We're talking early 2000s, Grime. Yeah, being, like being like the, 2001. The big genre. What was your name? I know you had a name, something man. <laughs> it was uh, Knuckles, Knuckles MC. It was a Knuckle Man. No, nah, no, nah, Knuckles MC. Man said, <laughs> man said Knuckle Man, you know. Knuckle Man, you know. It's Knuckle Ball. Knuckle Ball. And you know what else as well? I used, to, I used to use the logo, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, Knuckles, the red yeah. one. I used to use that logo. Um, yeah, but it, like I said, I was never really deep into it because then certain man took it fully serious. And they were like spitting bars. I said, you know what? You man can do that. Because you man are... Like there was one bread in my school called Slayer from South London. And he was sick. And I said, you know, when I used to hear him spit, I was like, he makes it look easy and flawless. Like, I was just like, I'm not on that level. I don't really have the time or the commitment to be on that level. So, you know, let me just... And then I kind of focused more on like... Um, I was more into like producing and DJing at that point anyway. So I was like, you know, let me just go back into that realm. But it was nice fun to step, uh, step behind the mic and chat two bars. But yeah, that nice, was no, nice hearing your thought process. So as you say, you did kind of end up focusing on the mixing. Uh-huh. Um, so, so yeah, yeah take, us, take us through. How so that, yeah, that so like I said, before I even came to Scotland, I learned how to use the equipment, but I never had any intention of using it like to, to, in the clubs or to make money or whatever. And when I got to Scotland, um, Obviously, you go out freshest week, you go to all the clubs, you go to all the bars, and you start. And I started noticing, I was like, no one, there's no R&B music. Now, if you can rewind your mind back to like 2006, right? And for people that are listening, maybe down south, this might be a bit difficult for them to do. But try and think of all the music that was around and that was popular and take out the R&B and the, the hip-hop side of it and what you were left with. You were left with like EDM, dance like cheesy pop. pop. Yeah. That's what I had to endure for the first like few weeks. That's what I had to endure. And I remember they say the same guy, Butch, that met me at uh, mm. my window. He said, oh, there's a Tim, Tim Westwood is coming to Edinburgh. I said, oh, so there is a market up here. There is, they got some sort of like culture that they want to, they want to plug up here. So I said, all right, cool. So we turned up and I got to this club. It's called Massa. It's actually shut down now, right? Um, it's behind the Waverly train station. And I went there and I said, rah, there's black people in Edinburgh. I didn't see them for, for, for weeks. I thought, like, I hadn't seen any, like, black people or any group of black people. And I went and went to this club. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not the only one. This is cold. So, and here, I'm, li- I'm hearing Chris Brown. I'm hearing um, Bashment music. That was one thing I missed when I came to Edinburgh. And I was like, I'm never going to hear this stuff in the club. So I heard it and I was like, oh, sick. There, there is a market up here for it. So now, anyway, I enjoyed that night. I found out that they were a weekly thing. They were called Tipsy, and I've come back to that. So I used to go, like, every other week or whatever, but because I only had student friends at the time, and they all wanted to go to different, like, all the dance clubs and stuff, I was kind of like, I'm either going to go to this place, these um, R&B clubs, on my own, or I'm going to follow the crowd and kind of go with my friends and whatever, all the friends that I've made, and... It is what it is. But then what happened was 
at some point, I was like, do you know what? We had a student union. And I went up to the guy that runs it. And I said, oh, like, I'm interested to, like, play some music, some R&B stuff. And he was like, okay, do you have your own equipment? I said, no, I've got a laptop. I've got all my music. Um, and he's like, oh, well, if you can find a way of playing the music, I can definitely set you up in, in, the, in the smaller, like, little side room. Like, room two, basically. And he said, um, I can't promise you any money, but we were thinking about doing something in that room. And you've just kind of come along at the right time. So I said, all right, cool. So um, the Friday comes. I've turned up with my laptop. I've uh, plugged my, my music into And I had this software called Virtual DJ. So I've plugged my music in, uh, into the sound system, my laptop and sound system. And I'm basically just using my keyboard and my mouse to transition from song to song. So it was a little bit difficult. But I think what happened was I was playing all R&B and hip-hop music. And he came in. And it was, this atmosphere was kind of cool. Like people were just chilling, having a drink, catching a little vibe. And they'd started doing like cocktails in this particular room. So there was lots of girls in the room and they were playing, I was playing music. And obviously initially I was getting requests for like Backstreet Boys and like David Guetta and all these things. I was like, nah, this is kind of like an r <laughs> And they were like, all right, cool. And then, you know, they go away, think about what R&B songs they know, Changes by Tupac, you know, um, what's it called? What was the big tune back then? Uh, oh, crisscross jump! Like that was that—that that was the levels I was working with. Here. Oh, wow. Um, oh, Fat Man Scoop, be faithful. That was the other one. That was the one that they loved. Um, but yeah, so I was playing that, and he says, "Oh, this is actually quite cool. Like, it's not like too jumping, jumping, but you know, this is. Are you happy to do this like every week?" And I was like, "Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I'd I'd love to do this." So basically that week I went online and I bought myself a DJ controller. This thing was about this big. Now, if you're in the DJ community, you'll know that controllers nowadays basically look like a whole DJ equipment. But I had this thing that was no bigger than my, my laptop. And I was basically able to manually move the volume, the crossfader and all the rest of it. Couldn't scratch or anything on it. And um, when, it, when he asked me to come back next week, I said, all right, I'll buy one of those USB thing. And then I told everybody on campus, said look i'm doing a party in the union come down da, da, da. so obviously now word gets around oh Aleem's doing a party in the union da, da, da. so now before i get there on a friday there's a queue now i'm just thinking maybe it's a queue to get into the to the other bar to the other club no there's a queue to get into my room and the guy Jeez. like have you told what what's happening here and i was like oh, i just told a couple of people he's like literally everyone on campus has been asking when you're open and then straight away I was like the pressure is new this is my second ever gig with this piece of equipment that I don't really know how to use so I'm sweating big sweat so I get in the room I'm playing 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 and then people are coming in you know friends coming ah this is so cool da, da, da. this is amazing I can't believe you're DJing da, da, da. so now anyway everyone's vibing it's going well and the song I don't know if it was a mixture of the lev the amount of alcohol people are consumed by this point, the amount of girls that were on a good vibe, but I played Eve, who's that chick? And mm. the room just went nuts. Cause I and I was like, oh, you lot do know the students, mm. but you don't know the new stuff. It's the old school stuff that you lot know. The early, early 2000s, like the Ja Rule and the Shanties, they know all of that. Mm. So I was like, oh, so there is a market for this. It's just I was playing all the new stuff thinking that people were up to date as like I would like to be, but it's the older stuff that you lot know. All right, cool. I found my bag. 
So now, and then from there, it just kind of a weekly resident in there in like room two. And then that was like mainly R&B and hip hop because the main room was playing all the, all the cheesy stuff. Now, fast forward maybe a few months, the main room guy's having trouble getting to the venue. I think his car's broke down or whatever. You can't get there on time. So the guy phones me. He's like, oh, I've got some good news. I've got some bad news. I said, okay. He says, bad news is um, we're not going to be able to open your room, but the good news is would you like to play in the main room? So without even thinking about it, this was on, I think, the Thursday morning. Um, and I was like, oh, like, why? What happened to the other DJ? Because I'm thinking, oh, what, have you sacked the other DJ? Or what's the problem? He's like, no, 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 he's going to have trouble getting here. So we'd ask that, you know, if you want to do it, that'd be amazing. We've seen what you do in the main room. He's like, but the only thing is you can't just play R&B and hip hop. You have to like change it up and do like other stuff. He said, you can play some R&B and hip hop, but you have to obviously throw in some dance music, some EDM, some old school, like classic rock tunes, you know, like them, like John Bon Jovi's and them things there. Nice. So I was like, all right, cool. So I spent the whole, I, I didn't go to uni that day. I spent the whole day just looking for like music of those genres. Downloaded a few like songs, a few tunes that I knew were, were big. Um, and then I went to do this gig and without blowing my trumpet, I smacked it, smacked oh, it clean oh, out of And then um, the guy just came up to me at the end of the night. He says, that was amazing. That was probably the best night we've ever had. And I was like, nah, surely not. And he was like, look around you. And I would you know you've you know you broke up the venue when the bar staff come and say, That was amazing. These are people that are there every week because they have to be, and they come out of their way to say that was absolutely class. Like I've never we've never had like someone playing music like that before. And then the rest is history, man. And then I just started getting more and more gigs. The name came out, um, promoters from Edinburgh City Centre were hitting me up because they were like, yeah, we've heard what you do and we know you're tied in with like the uni crowds, you know, it'd be good if we could get you on board. And in my head, I, back then, I didn't really know the game like that. But obviously, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, you just want me to bring the crowd because that's where you make your money. But it all worked, man. I played the game. You know, you bring your skills, you bring your crowd, you bring your brand, I guess. And then from there, I've just built and built and built. Networking is key in any creative industry. Um, and that's another tip I would give to anybody that's starting up. Network, network, network. Um, don't be afraid. Don't just be a, a, a Twitter follow or an IG follow either. Like, hit people up with the emails. Send them content. You know, if you are in somebody, if you go to another city, like if I go to Glasgow, I make sure and hit up one of my friends who DJs in Glasgow or like another creative in Glasgow and just link up with them and say, yo, I'm in your town, bro. Like, let's go for lunch or... What's good? Like, are you all right? Like, so networking is key. And then, um, yeah, I think from there, I've just kind of branched out. I gigs up and down the country, gigs, you know, certain gigs in Europe. Supposed to be going to Czech Republic later on in the year, you know, permitting the, you know, the, the corridor, the travel corridor. But yeah, so that's kind of how I got into DJing and all the different music. It just depends on the crowd that's in front of me. So student crowd is very mixed, especially nowadays. I've got the scope to play literally anything because mm. because the, the charts and, you know, with Spotify and all of those that like, people have access to everything nowadays. So like I've got literally got the scope to just play any genre, any, any age, 
Just it can go off if it's done correctly. Nah, for real. If, all right, so the question is, if you could clash any DJ in the world right now, like obviously, like, you, like you've got your experience, you've got, your, you've got everything behind you now. If you can clash any DJ in the world, who would you clash? Clash a DJ? That's a difficult one, man. Um, <clears throat> do you know what? I'm going to take this t- opportunity to like shout out some people that I actually know. Because it's easy for me to shout out some of the like Jazzy Jeff and all them and there, but mm. some of the DJs that I know that kill it that I would love to like perform with or even like to clash, just just mm. like bring it out of them. Um, my boy, there's two guys from Manchester, G2 and Stylo. These brothers are deck dons. They are phenomenal when it comes to their DJing wise. They're like up there among the best DJs I've ever heard. Um, You've got man like uh, Martin Too Smooth, who is London-based. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, Martin. Yeah, if you're from London, you would have heard of Martin Too Smooth at some point. Um, Jonesy, he's like the DJ's favorite DJ. He's based in like South of England, DJ Jonesy. And DJ's DJ, what a title! He, it literally is, man. Like I don't like. We had a party up in Scotland, and he jumped on, and like basically what happened was it was the night before we were all flying out to Fresh Island in 2016. But the flights from Edinburgh were mad cheap. So I think a lot of the guys from like north of England or like all over the country kind of just came to Edinburgh because it was cheaper to fly from the cheaper to fly to Edinburgh and in Croatia than it was to fly from where they were for some weird reason. So they all came out. We had a night out the night before and he jumped on like spare at a moment and he shelled it. And like literally you think about all these DJs from like Newcastle, Manchester were all in this club and he just tore the building down. And I was like, oh my God. To, to impress DJs as a DJ is almost mm. impossible. He's somebody that does it time and time again. There's him. And then obviously I got shot on my boys in Edinburgh, man, like Prospect, um, DJ E-Beats, Major. Like these boys can really touch turntables. So I'd be doing a dis- I'd like to clash them, but I think, I think the crowd would win more than the, any particular DJ. That's my diplomatic response to that. Jeez. Alright, alright. Cool beans. Cool beans. So, Cal, versus? Versus, man. Um, the, well, the latest one was Brandy and Monica. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought that was an entertaining clash. Um, obviously, those two being pit against each other for their whole career. <laughs> um, there, there would probably be loads of stories about little cat fights and little things that have happened between them over the years. And I kind of felt like watching it, I kind of felt like it it, it was maybe a little bit, not all 100% love. Like maybe there was a little, still like a little bit of rivalry between them there. Certain times like Monica dropped a tune and she kind of looked like her, her whole vibe was like, I'm too, too cool for school kind of, <laughs> kind of demeanor about her. But, but um, I, I enjoyed it, man. I always had a huge crush on Monica from Buffs. back when I was Buffers. young. I think she's like the same age Buffers. as us, isn't it? Yeah. Bruh, she, she was the stush thing in it from day. Yeah, you know them ones. <laughs> <laughs> she won't mess um, with you straight away. She was, but, you had to work for that. Oh, uh, for real. But both of them amazing musicians. Mm. Um, I always thought Brandy was really cute as well, man. Um, and I loved watching her TV show, Moesha. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think that's the best black TV show we've had, save for Fresh Prince. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think as 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 a as a show like depicting the the, the young side of life, mm-hmm. it was so sick and just all of the like issues that they kind of portrayed. Obviously, like even it started like with death of her losing her mother and having to go through that trauma as a teenage girl. I think the show was absolutely elite. Like it's it's the best. It's the it was like song. a family show as well because um, yeah. brother Ray J was in it. Yeah, um, and there was other characters that you would know from like the R and B and hip hop world, mm. and from other, you know, from other movies in in the kind of in the culture as well. Mm. Actors would pop up, um, so it was yeah, it was dope, man. and like you say, they dealt with some real relevant themes, mm. themes in the black community, themes that were relevant to young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I really enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed the clash, um, and. Uh, in terms of versus battles, I think it like the production of it was probably the best one so far. It was the clean. It That's was clean. Clean. Yeah. clean. I think it kind of had to be because when you're dealing with hip hop artists, you can still go and like even the, the bashment stuff, you can still go back to the old format of like having a DJ each, you mm. know, pulling up the track, chatting some shit, and you know, like just chatting, 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 and then then just go into the verse. But when you deal with R&B artists, it has to be a bit smoother. Mm. Like, the genre dictates that it's a lot smoother, a lot cleaner, a lot more pristine. So I think they had to put more effort into, more conscious effort into how the the, the songs were presented and all the rest of it. But I know what you mean about the cat fight because there was a couple of times Brandy, um, uh, Monica would play a tune and Brand, you could just see Brandy's eyes was rolling. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, Monica's Monica's eyes were, were steady rolling, boy. Yeah, she was, she was just like, mm, whatever. But. And even like she was wearing a Fendi thing, in it, like so she looked like proper. Like I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna look cute. But can I just say one thing? Like, she looked bang as well. Yeah, no, no, she I was like, like wow, fam, she's fam, still like Brandy come out looking like somebody's auntie. Fam. Monica come out still looking like Miss. I don't know what anyone says yeah. Brandy lost points for her outfit. Yeah, what was she oh, wearing? God. I saw that. I was like, she looks a hot fire. mess. I don't care auntie what anyone Brandy says to me. You want at to me, versus battle? At me, she looked uh, a hot mess. Yeah, I kind of saw that. I was like, what is this? Like, I was just like, yeah, like I mean. Where will you want to wear? Whatever makes you feel comfortable. Nope. I've seen Don't her wear that. better outfits. Wear that. Wear that. <laughs> I said, nah, we're not having it. But like, mm-mm, I've mm-mm. seen her in better outfits and I'm just like, why did you choose this of all outfits to wear? Like, still so, you, so, so you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy about it? So when I was listening to it, mm. I kind of heard little bits and pieces and then but I proper sat down and listened to it. And for me, Monica was spinning her. Like mm. Monica for the first 12 tracks was spinning her and then Brandy just turned up the heat. So I said to, I said in one of my group chats, nah, this is a comfy win for Monica, but I had like 40 minutes to go. And now I'll probably have to say it was a draw. Mm. Like for me personally, that could be quite controversial. Like I had to slightly like take a step back on my initial take. Mm. But I think I think it was a draw. Other people made other people said that Brandy definitely won it. I saw a couple of people say that Monica took it, but I think it's probably a draw. So going into it, I would have said Monica, I'm um, sorry, Brandy was going to spin her. But Same. then Monica started playing certain rhythms. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, for me, Monica hasn't been releasing songs. It hasn't really released much in the past, like, five, six years. Mm. Whereas Brandy's, like, got a couple features dropped in and out. Like, you might not know them in the mainstream, mm. but, like, when you deep, like, she's done quite a few things with French Montana. So that's kind of how... For me, I'm like, oh, so she's still making tunes and she still sounds good on those songs. So for me, I'm like, if we're talking like, if we're talking back catalogue, 
then yeah, they're 50-50. But if we're talking anything in the past like 10 years, which obviously isn't their peak, like if it gets to a 50-50 and the back catalogue is exhausted, Brandy's going to take it just by sheer content. For me, I haven't listened to any of their recent music, but there was that one tune that Monica dropped in a crash. It, I, I, it might be the last one she dropped. Commitment. Um, is, was it a Commitment song? Because there was a track I, that she I'm played that was sure. brand new that came out literally like a few days ago. Yeah, and all and of I'm the comments s- were mad and everyone was like, oh, this sounds live. Like, yeah. And it was like, yeah. it, it seemed like, she okay, she dropped a new material and it had like a trap kind of a beat to yeah. it and it was hard and it was modern and I was like, okay. Monica's killing this tune yeah. big. But um, that was, I, I, I that didn't was, watch it live. I watched it on YouTube, and so yeah. I don't know. It kind of cut out after an hour, and where it cut out, there wasn't like a good buy or anything from the artist. So I don't know <laughs> if that was the last song <laughs> in the battle. I, I, I'm not you. I watched it on YouTube, so I watched the recap. Um, yeah, it just seemed like, yeah, like like I said, Monica was had. I think Monica came with a game plan. Mm. She was more strategic about it, whereas I think Brandy was a little bit more like. Oh, you Free know, spirit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could tell by the way she dressed. Like, like I think the dress <laughs> tells you their approach to the whole thing. Like, yeah. Monica, Monica came with a strategic. She had everything planned, patterned, pressed, and ready to drop, right? Whereas I think Brandy just came with the attitude of, like, I know my back catalogue. I know what songs I've chosen. I'm just going to go mm. out there and do my best. And it's just like, nah, Monica and... low-key came for your neck. Like, <laughs> she mm. low-key. Monica can come from my neck, bro. she's still it brought back all those feelings didn't it all those that teenage kind of puppy love crush and all of that it just all came back you're like oh my god yeah monica Monica (laughs) but um for me it was like it was the old tunes that i was feeling man like Mm. i'm not really into the ballads so much and Mm. they had a lot of those and so at first it kind of it kind of started off with a lot of those kind of slow slower songs that I weren't really into, but for me, it really heated up as soon as um, Brandy did I Wanna Be Down, oh, yeah. what you're going through, and then Monica came through with Don't Take It Personal. It like, oh my God. That is peak Brandy and Monica for yeah. me. But you know hit. what? You see, I'll agree with Ash that it was a draw, but you see when Monica forgot her own bars to the boy is mine, I said, nah. <laughs> you ruined the one thing that everybody was looking forward to. You look could have had a rubbish clash up until that point. People would have still stayed because they're waiting for that. Makai Five to do a young cameo, just pull up on the screen like, yo, what up, baby? Like, uh, Yeah, Makai's yeah, in there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I just, and when I saw it, obviously, we were all waiting for it. Mm. And then it came, and you heard it drop, and I was like, "Okay, here's the point." And then Monica just kind of—I think by that point she had just kind of clocked out. Was like, "I don't." Care. Someone, some, someone on my Instagram said, um, "We waited three hours for the boy is mine." Because remember, because the clash was long. The yeah, it clash, was. The, the clash was long. Like, like Brandy was all doing like poems to lead into songs and all sorts. Like that, it was. That was a deep poem. No, it was deep. It was deep. But I, I, sometimes I was just like, yo, just 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 run the tune, man. I'm really the tunes, <laughs> isn't it? Like, I'm really the tune. But that's why I think that's why I think my favorite one, and obviously because of like the, the, the music I listen to, but for me, Jada and Fab's my favorite clash. Because they just got to it. There's like 20 yeah. songs, a verse, there wasn't that much talking. Jada was drunk. Bang. <laughs> like, that was literally ah, it. Don't get me wrong. Like, other, other, Jada like, is my favorite Jada. Fam. I don't care. About don't get me wrong. There's other clashes that have been like more for the culture. So like Beanie and Bounty, like that that clash was a madness. Obviously, like Jill and Erica, 
like that had its place and that served it. But for but personally, in terms of like my ear and what I like, Jada and Fab is my favorite. And then this is second, like because I really do like both artists equally. I'm curious to know who's coming up next. Well, makes a Snoop one that worked. Mm. I like that one. Apparently, it wasn't supposed to be DMX and Snoop. It was supposed to be um, Snoop and ah, oh, damn, who was it supposed to be? Someone meant. Uh, it wasn't it was supposed. Someone to... else from the East Coast. One it was somebody remember. else, and X kind of filled in last minute. Basically, okay. yeah, that's what happened, and then they just were like dog versus dog, and then it just worked. And to mm. me, that makes sense. Like I get it. Like even if if you take away the whole dog versus dog thing, like. The, the whole the, the fact that they've both been in the game roughly the same amount of time they've both had like massive hits they've both kind of like entered the culture and did their own thing like Snoop mm. came from West Coast vibe when that was not being listened to anywhere like that mm. was hip hop as far as everyone mm. was he came and did his own thing then um, DMX started coming in and do, talking something changed the whole sound he changed the whole sound yeah here. he made hip hop like he turned hip hop up to an, a level where it's like, I can play this in the club. You can play this in your car, and there's some horror, like there's some like gully things going on inside. I'm gonna tell you about some ratchet stuff that's going on in this in in the, in the streets, and you're gonna love it. Like, and that was the start of the uh, the Swiss Beats era as well with the Rough Riders and uh, everyone else that he produced. Swizzy man, like listen, Swiss and Beats. The, the brotherhood, the brotherhood between those two as well, between Snoop and and. And uh, DMX, I think, was was a beautiful side to see, mm. especially given all of the beef between their areas at the time, that like East Coast, West Coast beef, mm. where, you know, Biggie and Tupac ended up dying in the midst of all of that drama. Um, and these guys were prominent figures in the 90s, kind of rap era, 90s and 2000s, when all this beef was going on. Mm-hmm. And to see them years later and it's all love and they're just like brothers and the way that Snoop was vibing to X's tunes and then one of yeah. X's, uh, when X said like, I think there was he had some bants about how there's one tune that Snoop's got and he plays it every time his baby mama starts acting up. <laughs> Bitches ain't shit, but hoes and shit. Ah. I was cracking up when he said that. <laughs> but, but no, that was that was um that was a good clash to watch as well. That was a good yeah. I am curious to know who's coming next though, because these are enjoyable and they are definitely celebrating like black music. Um so I'm loving it from that perspective. But also, these, you, like, the OGs, man. Like, let's yeah. give them flowers while they're still here, man. Because, yeah, you know what I mean? We're celebrating them and we're bringing ourselves back to, like, when, for us, for, like, our generation, our age group, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, they're, they're all, a lot of them are nostalgic. Yeah. So it's, it's everyone, everyone's winning. Everybody's if, if you could put two people together, who would you put for a clash? Um, so, remember, we had this discussion the other week when you put it on your mm. poll. CM Buster. Mm. Ryan said the same thing. Yeah, Ryan, who's Ryan's not here. He's another one of our co-hosts. Yeah. He said the same thing. And I've been thinking that for a while. Because what we got to remember as always, well Missy's first album, the intro and outro was Buster Rams. Exactly. So like, and just what they did, how unique they are, their sounds, the energy they bring. Mm. That is that is a hundred percent the clash I want to see. Yep. hundred percent. That, that kind of needs to be really well put together and really because because mm. they're not just vocal artists they're, they're visual yeah yeah they're visual like, demons what was it? Buster Rhymes and Janet Jackson was the highest um, paid video at the yeah. time like was it one mil yeah 
No, but it was uh, what was who's the? I can't remember the director, but Hype Williams. Hype, that's the one. And um, yeah, like we're talking about like two of the greatest, like in my opinion, two of the biggest, like hypest um, hip hop artists, or just just hip hop and R and B artists, like in Missy Elliott as well. Like she always brought another dimension to what was supposed to just Missy be vocal. Was so wavy. Like oh even like, her dances, her her style. Like even when she did the MTV Cribs, a lime green Lamborghini. Just cause. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Just because like, today's Tuesday. Yeah, nice. exactly. Like little things like that, and then you think to yourself, like, in, and then even if you want to take it deeper, she's representing black women. Like mm. she's not like a stereotypically like she's not like a Tyra Banks or a. a or like a model kind of like physique. She's like, she was chubbier back in the day and she was proud of it. But still being able to emanate sex appeal and, yeah. and have like lots of guys wanting to be with her. And, and oh. even, even the way she spoke about sex, isn't it? Like she spoke yeah. about sex in a way that was way more accessible. Like we had like Kim and Foxy. Some people yeah. say it was a bit vulgar. Yeah, but the way she done it with like certain individuals. And I don't think it was. I think everyone's like able to do whatever they want to do and say it however they want to say it. But... Like just the way she did it with the innuendos, like yeah. yeah. So to be fair, like I know, I know you. We, we've had this conversation before. Your team Buster, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. definitely team Missy. I think Missy's first two albums are some of the greatest like K-pop albums we've seen. Cal, deciding vote: who oh, wins, man. Buster or Missy? I'm putting you on the spot, why, bro. Why, why I gotta be that guy? <laughs> I mean, Missy has got bigger, bigger tunes, I think. Um, thanks for reminding me that Buster did a tune with Janet Jackson, because I forgot about mm. that. Because that, that is a very big record. But other than that, I, I think Buster Rhymes is, is pretty much like a, a huge hip-hop artist. One of the, the biggest artists that hip-hop has ever produced. But Missy is kind of crossed over firmly into pop music, I think. Um, and I think like even like She's been like producing Tweet and other artists and stuff like that. Some of the stuff she's done behind the scenes as a producer, like I just think she has she has bigger records than what Buster has. She's probably got more sales, like you know, more more uh, accomplishments as a consequence. I wouldn't be surprised if she's got a whole bag of awards, Grammys, and all of this stuff, and more, just more decorated than what Buster is. Oh, yeah, I could I be wrong, but that's that's just kind of how I feel about Missy, man. So I think if you're gonna put Pit those two together. Unfortunately, Buster, you you know what I mean? You might not win this one, bro. Jeez. I mean, yeah, I, I hear that. I hear that as a as an argument. Um, I'm just a, like I said before, man, I'm a massive Buster fan. I think he he just he he did in his time and continues to just evolute and he stays relevant by being himself. Mm-hmm. And people just warm towards him and then when you watch like interviews of him as well he's just got this magnetism about him it's just like everyone wants to be around Buster everyone wants to listen to what he has to say and Buster because Buster. now he's stayed consistent mm-hmm. at his age now it's sort of like it's like a, it's like if you ever watch an interview of him it's like the Jay-Z effect that like everyone just wants to hear what he has to say mm-hmm. to survive in this environment even as a black person he's he's living proof him Jay-Z and Diddy. They're like three of the people that people want to listen to because they've been around for so long and the the, the knowledge and uh, experience that they've gained over the years, you can't put a price on it, really. No doubt. Um, I don't know how you guys are feeling about time right now. You guys okay for time? Yeah. Let's kind of wrap through. Hot minute still. Should we jump onto some of the, like, the big news stories now? 
Um, I was thinking we could we could touch on a few more music mm. since we're on the topic cool. of music. Um, so we could run into uh, we talked about the versus battle, um, which is uh, you know quite a visual medium. So we can also talk about some music videos that have come out recently. Um, so Nas has dropped his music video for Ultra Black. I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to to peep that. No. And um, it's literally Nas uh, documenting his quarantine life. Um, which I thought was done quite classily, man. It was, you know, a few different outfit changes, a few different shots. And um, and and it's a dope track, man. Um, if you guys haven't heard Ultra Black or peeped Nas's latest album, King's Disease, I definitely dope. recommend you lot go and, and, and get the album and check out the video for Ultra Black. Um, we were just talking, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Um, we were just talking about... Uh, DJ Khaled's song with Drake called Popstar earlier. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I was saying about how, you know, they've got the music video with Justin Bieber in there. Um, I think that's a that's a dope song, man. And, and I like the way they've done the video with Justin on his performance art and kind of pretending to be a rapper. Kind <laughs> of makes you think, well, if, if he had a ghostwriter, uh, maybe he could actually put out a couple of hip-hop records, you know? Um, and... Uh, I think the, the the most interesting video out of the three for me was one by uh, UK's own Crazy Titch. Okay. The man is still in jail for a crime he was convicted of years ago, and he's released a new single, and they made a video for it, like a montage of some of his old footage. Okay. Oh, nice. A song called Twice, and, and it's like a modern kind of a drill beat. So you got an old school grime artist from East London hopping on this kind of modern UK drill wave and, and he's got the flow down, the flow's tight. Um, and he uses that sample, you're free to be what you want to be. Uh, that's a banger, you know. Uh, oh, it's cold. Where did they done it? Is it Entrance? Yeah. Yeah, Entrance. Set you okay. free. And yeah, the way they chopped the sample and put the drill beat on it is cold. Oh. It is a cold track. And, and uh, Titch with a, with a modern flow, hey, you love to see it, um, but there's actually like a little, um, a little vocal, a little speech from his solicitor at the end of the video, and he's talking about his kind of struggle of going to jail and and, and being in jail and stuff like that. And the song is really flipping deep, man. It's like it's it's it's, it's I think it's probably the most artistic thing I've seen in a while. It's really mm. fucking dope. And he's making a case for maybe him being convicted with. Uh, little evidence and maybe him being a, a victim of racism and stuff like that. I think you guys should go and watch that. I don't want to get myself in trouble and comment on it on whether I think he's innocent or guilty or whatever. Um, but I think it's a very interesting thing he's done there. And that's most definitely worth a watch. Crazy Twitch twice. Nah, I hear that still. Yeah, and I'll look into it. Um, and there's a lot of music that's come out as well. Um, mm. Billie Eilish dropped a, a Tiny Desk concert. Uh-huh. Um, so you, you guys can catch that on YouTube. Um, the Locks dropped their Living Experience album. Dope. Dope. It's a good album. You know what it is? There's, um, for me, it's weird because we've had Nas like the week before and then we had The Locks. And it's this, it's this 40 plus rap that it's, it's important. It's important because it's like a gateway between what, what we grew up on and to kind of like what's going on today. So obviously there's lots of like these new rappers that's coming. 
but having that that nostalgia look back seeing the growth of them and seeing them transitioning into kind of like being businessmen like family men sometimes even grandparents um it's really really nice to kind of hear the different kind of vibe they bring but yet still being able to go back and bring the, the old school youthful fire that they still have so my standout track is testify i absolutely love that tune and i also like the tune with dmx on there as well but testify that has been ringing out for me it's a yeah i love it yeah i like everything man and um, i think the production on this is absolutely incredible it bangs from front to back the only one that i might have a question mark on is the um that why don't people waste palm you like it's like they try to do like a little <laughs> afro beat type of something, something the one the one that sheik's on the one that sheik needs on in it yeah, i heard i heard a bit of that one i was just like wow this ain't really you is it you've not mm-hmm. really i feel like it's one of those ones where somebody came in the studio one day and said you should do this because it will like it's like a like a pr thing like they said oh mm-hmm. this this is what the kids are listening to nowadays it's like nah don't do that yeah, dirty, dirty. Another one that I think didn't quite work was maybe My America featuring Oswin Benjamin. Now, Oswin Benjamin is actually one of my favourite newer artists, but I just think the collaboration maybe didn't bring the best out of both sets of artists there. I, well, I think it's all right. Mm. It's not a track that I'm going to skip. I just think it didn't bang as the rest of the episode. Like, apart from those two tracks, everything else, 100% fire. Like, I'm going to give this a strong four and a half pints, man. I'll give it a four. I feel like I liked it a lot. There's, a, there's, there's some skippable stuff on there for me, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, I'll give, it, I'll give it a four. And it's, it's dope to see, you know, Swiss Beats working with the locks again and um, Scott Storch. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a nice, uh, some nice collabs on there with like DMX, uh, as Ash Manson, T-Pain, uh, Benny the Butcher kills that. I think Ash Manson yeah, yeah, for yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah, yo, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, produced that by Large Professor as well. So it's like a whole old school East Coast, New York vibe going on there. Like Large Professor on the beat, LOX on the rhymes with the new Griselda kind of mm-hmm. kind of skitty street sound. They, they just married it's got West Side. It's got West Side gone on the hook as well, isn't it? It's what I'm saying. So it's like it's like three three generations of East Coast rap there. Large Professor, old school man working with Nas on his first album. Um to the locks who kind of came out in the shiny suit era with with P Diddy Bad Boy Records in the nineties and two thousands, and then and then the new kind of you know what I mean the new wave street rap Benny the Butcher and Westside guy. It's like they just married the three generations on this track, and it, and it bangs. I love it. Good. I like I like hearing when they uh, when it's not um, age specific. When you can when you can get like in this case. Uh, three generations of, of of sounds on one track and it work for me that's like how music is supposed that's that's the kind of artistry behind music in my opinion is when you can find three elements that don't necessarily fit and find a way of making them fit maybe that's just my dj producer brain working but that for me is where the artistry lies it's easy mm. to get three rappers that rap the same on one beat yeah Facts. i think i think music has especially hip-hop has evolved way beyond that um, another project I checked out was Tony Braxton's "Spell My Name." You guys into Tony Braxton? Someone mentioned this. I, I got yeah. one of the I got one of the songs on there still. Someone mentioned this the other day. They 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 hit me up on IG and just said, "Yeah, this song sick." This uh, one of the songs off. Of it. I can't remember which one it was, but I was like, "Rah, she's still making music." And got then, to move on. And then <laughs> I saw what she tweeted. 
Do you not know about this? She tweeted, no. something, she tweeted something about if I could tell younger me to have more sex and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Right, let me let me see if I can pull up the tweet. Mm-hmm. What kind of saucy tweet are you doing there, Tony? The thing is, it's not wild for like... For me, I wouldn't see that as like a wild tweet. It's mm. like something that people are like jumping on. But like, I'm just like... I can understand how the younger generation would look at that and be like, wow, like, oh, is that what she's saying? Like, is, this is, is she saying she kind of feels like she missed out on having a good time? So I'm just going to try and pull it up now, see if I can get it. But I, I guess don't, that, that cause, yeah, 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 go now, go for it, man. I, I think that to me, what it sounds like so far, the gist of it is kind of like how people might feel like they missed out on going to all the parties at university. Like, I'm sure you had a few dorm kind of parties in your day. Yeah. And uh, there's some people like myself, I didn't go and live in the dorms. I was like still living at home with my parents and then commuting into uni every day. So I kind of feel like I missed out on that, that staying in dorms, that whole student life experience yeah, that a lot of people have. It's definitely different because I know people that were at my uni that lived still at home. Like they were from Edinburgh, like a, a city, a town just outside of Edinburgh. And they would come into school, they would come into uni every day as if it was like school. And like on the weekends, we would have like, like it wasn't even planned because everyone lived in the same building. It was like, oh, such and such are just drinking in, you know, her room or whatever. We're all going up there. So we'd like go up there and it would turn into like a little bit of a party or a vibe and then the stories would happen. And then those people that lived off campus would come in Monday morning and be like, oh, what'd you guys get up to? Well, bro, Saturday night, randomly X, Y, and Z happened. And they're like, oh, damn it, I missed it. And I'm like, why didn't no one tell me? I was like, bro, we didn't know this was going to happen. We just, we're just all in the same place and it just happens. See, God damn it. (laughs) I missed out on loads. Yeah, those Monday morning lectures is when you caught up with everything. God damn it. (laughs) The tweet she came, I can't actually find the original tweet, but there's a, there's a, the quote was, and they've paraphrased it. The the gist of the tweet was basically a message to younger people. Do as much as you can whilst you still can. Mm. That was the gist of the tweet. But obviously what's been highlighted is, the quote was, I regret not having more sex when I was younger. A 50 click, year, click, click, she's buff. So yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If she hit my DMs, I'd I'd you know I'd I'd still entertain her. Cause like this is 52, I don't care. She's yeah, fire. Bro, she's but basically people are looking fair. at that. People are looking at that and like, oh, she's advocating sex and in minors and all the rest of it. And I was like, nah, that, well, first of all, no, that's not what she said. She said when she was younger, she regrets not having more sex. And then people obviously, because you've used the S word on Twitter, people have just been like, oh, she's doing this and she's saying this and all the rest of it. And it's just like, as a grown person, it shouldn't really be a taboo topic amongst grown people. Like mm. sex, everyone's had sex. I feel like if you can't talk about sex, that's a bit weirder than if you can. Do you know what I mean? So she mm. did that and then then somebody else like hit me up and was like, oh, have you heard a new album or a new project or whatever? And I was like, oh, I didn't even know she did it. And then I thought, did she just say this so she get an uh, attention for a new project? Because I know a lot I know a lot of people do stuff like that. They're about to launch a new project so they say something wild on social media and they get all this attention through their page and traffic. Uh, that's, the, that's, that's the book of Kanye right there. The forgotten chapter of uh, guerrilla marketing. <laughs> um, it's so true. But people so, uh, yeah, just got to kind of wrap up on Tony Braxton's album. Like, she was my childhood crush. I absolutely love her. And uh, I did love her new album. 
especially the standout track for me was the, the title track, Spell My Name, um, which is it's just something like, I think people need to listen to that if you haven't heard it. It's really something. It, just start, it doesn't sound like anything. It's not like a modern sound. It's not like a throwback sound. It's like a very unique kind of production. It's very melodic and the percussion is, is rhythmic. It's dope. It is just... Yo, go check that out. Spell my name by Tony Braxton. Okay. Um, what else? Big Sean dropped Detroit too. Anyone checked out Big Sean's? No, I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of his. I find him a bit boring. I'm similar. Like I can, I can get down with a couple of his songs. For me, he's one of those artists that sound better as a feature. Hundred, hundred. And I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but he just seems to be better on other people's projects and I don't know why because when I hear other people's songs I'm like yo you got bars bruv you're saying stuff but then he does his own stuff and I'm just like nah yeah I'm with you I'm with you on that Um, like for instance like On Control do you remember like the big the big Kendrick verse On Control and everyone Uh remembers that song for what Kendrick said when he was like calling rappers out Mm -hmm. but actually if you listen to what Sean said in his verse Sean's verse is immense Yep. Like, and I've got him on a couple of tunes where like, I'm like, yeah, I like Big Sean. I like Big Sean. But yeah. to me to sit down and listen to an album of his, his voice is a bit too, I don't want to say whiny, but there's something in his voice that just makes me switch off. It's not like, me. I don't, yeah, I don't engage with it. Um, <laughs> but I know, but I know, he, I know he's got bars. I know he's a good artist. He's just not for me. Yeah, no, I think I'm with you on that one. Like, I, I, think, I think the issue for me is the reason why I like him as a feature artist is because, like you said, I can't, I don't think I want to listen to his voice for two mm. verses and a hook. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that might just be the issue. And that's, that might just be down to my personal preference, but, but I know a few other people that share that kind of sentiment and it's just like, yeah. But going back to your earlier point, he's someone who you can put on a, a verse and he sounds very different to other people. So yeah. actually, it's really good to bring him on because he brings a completely different kind of vibe to it. Exactly. Like, That's so what... actually, sonically, he does very, very well with other people. And mm-hmm. I think there are some rappers out there that just work very well with other people. I think Buster, do you remember Buster had his massive run of being on every remix? Because yeah. his voice sounds different. Wheezy had that as well. There's just certain times where you just want to hear them with someone else because they, they, they balance the song out pretty well. Sean yeah. does that, but I don't think he's got enough. Or, or he... Or, for me to listen to his album, he needs to have a lot of features on there. Yeah, like he'll drop it. Like, let me see this. That came out when this literally just came out the other day. And uh, I, 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 me personally, I think Detroit One is my personal favorite Big Sean project. I think it's a mixtape. And I, so... I don't think it's a studio release. I think it's like a just a mixtape. Like it's like a uh, an EP, I guess. Yeah, but the way he did Detroit One. It sounded like an album. It's a mixtape that sounded like an album. So I was so excited for Detroit too because I thought it's going to be the same. He's got he had loads of these um, interludes um, where people were telling stories and just giving you a little glimpse into the heart and soul of what it's like to be in in the city that they're from, you know. Or people that have travelled to the city, like um, Common was on one of the skits talking about his time going to Detroit and working with Jay Dilla. It was just like, oh, this is magic, you know. And he's done the same thing again with Detroit too. He's got. Dave Chappelle on there doing a skit. He's got um, Erica Badu on there doing a skit. Um, and it, it's, it, it's special, man. And uh, for you, Ash, you, you want to hear him working with other artists. I mean, mm. on this, you've got Nipsey Hussle, you've got mm. Janae Eichel, Post Malone, Ty Dolla Sign, Dwele, okay. Anderson Pack, 
Wale, Travis Scott, Diddy, the one with Diddy, the banger, um, Lil Wayne, and then he's got a mad, like, posse cut with, like, 10 rappers on it, including Eminem and Royce the Five Nine. Like, I, I reckon they're all from Detroit. I think that's just, like, a, a Detroit mm, posse cut link up. at the end of the album, yeah. And, and the track with Dom Kennedy bangs as well. Bro, I, honestly, I really like this project. I'm going to give mm. it a solid four pints. I think this project is... Okay. I've never, I've not really had a chance to deep it. I've only had like select tracks off of it, but twenty one songs, man. Yeah, like, I, and, like I think that's a typical mixtape kind of a uh, tracks, like just loads of tracks, you know. Two albums. <laughs> I, I'd like to know your opinions. Like, if you guys check this out, hit me up. Let me know what you think. Yeah, because um, I, I honestly think it bangs. I, I'm, I really like this album. <gasps> Excuse me, and. Uh, in true mixtape fashion, some of the beats they've taken really popular samples that people would know, like songs that, that have kind of been remixed. Um, because they're not paying for the for sample clearance on mixtapes, they just kind of just do whatever and put it out, don't they? Yeah, I think. And someone asked me, uh, we got into a discussion about it, and that was one of the things that came up. They were like, when it's a mixtape, I think there's certain um, certain things you don't have to clear, or that if you don't clear them, it's not really a big deal. Because a lot of mixtapes, contrary to people's belief, aren't official releases. They're like mm. leaked, quote unquote, kind of thing. It's like we didn't officially put this out. It's just come out and it's become popular without our control. So I think there's there's loads of like loopholes in it, which obviously the music industry are clamping down on more and more. But yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that a, I'm gonna give that a listen to. Can't, can't. Please do, please. I'd like to know what you guys think, because it's particularly because you guys aren't the biggest Big Sean fans in the world, and yeah. I'm not the biggest Big Sean fan. But when I heard Detroit, I said, "Yo, this guy's got something here." So I was excited for Detroit too. And yeah. to be honest with you, I think he delivered. It didn't disappoint me at all. Yeah. yeah that's uh, cool. I right, listen. I'll give it. I'll give it a spin. Um. So last couple of projects to talk about, we've got. P Money, who dropped a three tracker while the while we wait EP. Okay, um, that's all. Uh, so yeah, BRB fans know I absolutely love P Money, man. He's he's definitely one of my guys. I feel like he can do no wrong, and he, he just put three tracks together that are just are amazing, just straight up 100% grime. Um, they shot a visual to it, so you can go and watch um, the while we wait EP. It's kind of like a little movie, little mini movie. Um, which kind of has like video for all three songs all cut in one kind of long sequence. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, maybe like say about 10 minutes long, three tracks in there, about 10 minutes long. It's, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. Um, and uh, and I, I just think that bangs, man. I, I really like that. And this this project by Nines, I think it's actually the number one yeah. on this iTunes right now. Listen, Ash, you're with me on this one. Shout out Northwest London, right? Come on. Shout out Northwest Come on, London. all day. This prepping. When I tell you this album, <clears throat> sick. Crabs on a bucket. Come on. This album is a piece of art. This boy has put it put it together nicely. But he does that though. Like his albums, he proper like takes the time. Like he brings in like interesting features. His last like album he put out there was nice. He's got like a good mix. Like, whenever I've listened to Nines, I've been really impressed. I kind of jumped on Nines a bit later, even though he's a local one. I got into him a little bit later than, like, some of the other people. But since then, I've been I've been hooked on. I haven't actually got round to listening to this because I'm kind of doing this old album challenge at the moment. Yeah. Where I've got, like, 65 rappers, 
and I'm trying to listen to like some of their old route albums, but like with with like my my 35 year old years um ears as such. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna now dedicate more days to new music and then do that old rapper album over the next few weeks. But yeah, now I'm this is this is one of the key things I want to listen to within the next three or four days. But like yeah, it's a good piece of body of work, right? And one thing I think Nines doesn't get the uh, credit for is do you know his last two album releases he's basically what you said p money did there he's basically had short movies and throughout the movies he's got his pieces of the songs from the album playing so if you go on youtube and check out crop circles crop circles, yeah big crop circles too. they're basically small little movies and they're like 30 minutes long maybe 30 minutes long they're 30 35 minutes long and basically throughout the song you will hear like like in certain scenes you will hear his music from that album playing but the focus is on the actual movie but you hear the song and it's all that's how he's released his album then when he drops the album that is uh, the same name as the movie everyone kind of knows the tunes but they've only heard snippets so far and I think he doesn't get credit for that as in, as he should. Mm. The whole um, team that he works with for that is such a sick concept. So basically, you know how Beyonce released that thing on Disney? Yeah. That's basically what he's been doing for the past, mm. with his past two albums. So this one now... Um, crabs in a bucket. Crabs in a bucket. But I mean, even just the, the single clout, the video for that, mm. he uses all that, he just reenacts all the different types of... Um, album covers over the years mm. sick if you haven't seen the the nines video for clout it's monster absolutely a brilliant piece of work yeah. i did catch the uh the, the crabs in a bucket movie i didn't catch the video for clout but nah. the crabs in a bucket movie was i was impressed man that was nice and this is what i'm saying he this isn't the first time he's done it he's been doing this for all of his movies and he's got like mad cameos and it's just it's just it's just a like the whole thing that like, you can't take any of his albums as just music anymore you have to take it in as a whole piece of like a whole mm. project and be like right yeah have you heard this have you heard the music have you watched the movie have you deeped the the, mm. the messages in the movie and the culture and you know what it's trying to personify and as somebody who um, grew up in northwest london there's a lot in there there's a, yeah. there's a lot in there. He's like he's done well to keep it like as authentic as possible without alienating, you know, the audience. Like we're looking at, I'm looking at, I think I've been up that road. Yeah. You see, there's not that is is not Hollywood. That's that will happen to you. And adding on to that, like the level of diligence he puts into his work, you can really see it. Like I'm not, and I'm, I'm not like listen. There's lots of people that put lots of stuff into it, and th- by me saying this, I'm in no way like um, talking down their craft. I'm just really extolling how well he's done and the, the the amount of like intricacy he puts into it. Like I really, really appreciate it. And then like I said, as, as um, Aline said, as someone who's walked those roads, who back in the day, like my, like my, my church that I went to and mm-hmm. that my nan went to is, is two minutes away from there. So I've been in the church van past all the street and I've seen it all. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so nice to actually see it come through and like through his his um lyrics as well as through like his actual visual um his visual project and like his visual his visual dreams yeah i mean it's not it's there's not there's not nothing cliche about because you know nowadays like the young rappers are doing like you know rent out some expensive whip put on all the latest drip do a dance or whatever and that's cool 
but it's nice to see somebody do something different, something a bit that takes a bit more time and a bit more effort in the in the planning and thought process. Like he's mm. he's a script writer has gone in on this and he's mm. helped write script. He's made he's made more than just music. And I think for yeah. that he needs props. No, no, no. I, I, I'd want to just also add that the production on this thing is first class. Mm. Like I was so because I'm not I'm not well versed in Nines's career. Mm. Um, and this is like his first project that I've like really sat down and listened to and I was really impressed man like it was it was incredible from top to bottom and the outro track the last track on Crabs in a Bucket when that beat kicked in oh my god I just I was waiting to hear Rick Ross on it or something man like oh Maybach music like it was it was flipping that level of musical like talent and just clean big studio production like wow and i was and then nine just does his thing and I, wow i think yeah for this to be number one yeah i totally see it man it's amazing it's an amazing body of work mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. good to see man it's good to see like that that raw kind of gritty vibe to it like you were saying and i think it's weird because with like productions is is something we can even like jump onto next because we're talking a bit about um the rough riders chronicles like the five, the um, the five show documentary, and I can definitely see some some stuff from that that's in this. The whole kind of gritty, really getting to see like the the meat of stuff behind the scenes and giving people like a view that they don't always get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah, Nine's done that in what he's doing, but the Rough Riders also done that in the, in a the documentary, which was really cool, man. How they've done it, like from the origin story um, of the actual family behind, so the Dean family that are behind Rough Riders. Um, so it's two yeah. brothers and a sister that actually kind of essentially create and, and, and were the foundation of what, what Rough Riders became. Obviously, DMX was the lead star, but bringing in like the Locks, Eve, Swizz, Dragon, um, even the stage where they got Jin, who was like the first Oriental rapper to really be part of it as well. Jin? Like, yeah, remember Jim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my days. I forgot about that, brother. Yeah, because remember, Jim was like killing people on that. M- I remember the MTV show that he was on, but he was killing people in like the battles. Freestyle. And eventually, yeah. like, yeah, Freestyle, Freestyle Fridays. That's Freestyle cool. Fridays. He was absolutely repping them on Freestyle Fridays. And then you kind of like see that and you see the ups and downs. Like, the guy had to remortgage his house to keep things going. Like, there was a stage where Rough Riders, like, the way they done it, because, well, I didn't know that they did this. I, I always know about Rough Riders records, but what they did is they actually kind of, like, signed people to other ra- labels, but maintained the management. So Locks was signed right. to Bad Boy, but they were still being managed by Rough Riders, hence why they was on, like, kind of Rough Riders Volume 1, Volume 2. And then eventually, when it, when it came to them doing their albums, they got pulled from Bad Boy to be able to release via Rough Riders. And then DMX was on Def Jam, but again, still with the whole management of um, Rough Riders behind them. Um, so, yeah, it was so good to see, like, DMX's journey, what he went through, kind of, like, just the substance abuse, like, the trauma of his family. Like, the stuff that happened to his mu- with him and his mum is so deep. So deep. Like, we started this episode talking about how highly, like, her mums are, what they did for us, like, how they gave us a foundation. Mm-hmm. And it just shows just how important parenting is. Because if you don't have the right parent, you don't have the foundation. Yeah, he's become a, like a success, but there's still a lot that he's unhappy with. There's a lot within himself that he hasn't even been able to kind of like like qualify or even like like process and go through. Like there's just trauma in this young man 
his name he's older than me and I'm calling him a young man. <laughs> like, yeah, there's trauma in this legend, because let's let's call him what he is, that will never probably be kind of like um like rectified. Mm. But yet he gave us some of the best music we've ever heard. Like he had five number one albums, like straight. No one else has had five number one albums like him. He put his and, trauma into the music. Yeah. yeah. But look at but look at what it was called, like um Flesh of My Flesh, Flesh of My Blood, um it's dark and hell is hot. Like so many things, you you're actually hearing him talking through so much pain, and his lyrics were all about pain. Yeah, man. But DMX is the whole the whole the whole documentary is amazing. I blitzed it all today, actually. So good. Like I would recommend anyone to go and watch that documentary. It's really good. Like I said, I think I'm I think I'm I'm two episodes in, mm. and there's still a few more to watch. I would say in terms of documentaries as well. Now since you mentioned it. You need to watch the Master P one. Okay. The Master P documentary is a school of how to become, come from nothing to something. This brother's work ethic. And we always give props to like Jay-Z and Diddy. Yeah. And even Kevin Hart in that kind of like being able to like just work and work and work and create something from nothing. But Master P, I feel like outside of America, he's an unsung like legend, man. Like so many people don't really deep how how Master P came up and what he did and his intentions and the, his motivation and why he did what he did. Ah, it's incredible. It's an incredible story. So yeah, if you ain't seen it, you need to check it out Master P. I forget what the name is called, but it's fairly new and it's all on YouTube just now. So just I go. I think it's, uh, it's the same production uh, by BET. BET thing, yeah. Uh, as, as the locks. And I think it's called No Limit Chronicles. So I think the okay. series that, that, that BET do is called Chronicles. And so they started with No Limit Chronicles and then now they've got Rough Riders Chronicles. They got and Woo I'm just as well. I'm excited because oh, they got Woo on there. Yeah, there's a Woo. There's a Woo documentary as well. So I'm really excited for this this series because it seems like they're gonna go around and hit everybody uh, that has made a significant impact. I'm waiting for a tribe called Chris Chronicles, uh, <laughs> Death Row Chronicles, like oh, this this oh, this deep Bad Boy Chronicles. This thing could be huge. Mm. Really? Yeah, we need it for the culture. We need it. Yeah, and, and each one has been classed like the no, like, just to kind of echo what Aline was saying. The No Limit um, Chronicles was absolutely incredible. Master P was a huge inspiration to me and many other people around the world. Um, and like Aline says, man, it's like uh, he gives you a lot of game and tells you about how he's got his company started. Shows you all of the moves that he's made all the way up to present day. Mm-hmm. See his whole journey, man. It's, it's amazing. It's great TV. I'm sure the Rough Riders Chronicles is the same. I, I need to peep that as well. Yeah, it's a very good. It's a very good watch. And like, even outside of like his business acumen, just yes, yeah, it's, it's really inspirational, man. When you see like what people go through, and it's like not to kind of perpetuate the whole kind of rags to riches kind of like lifestyle or whatever, or like you have to have had it tough in order to like make it big. But there's things to be, there's, there's common elements in a lot of these stories that you just cannot take for granted. And it's not to say that you need to go through trauma to become great. But if you can learn the lesson that they learn off the back of trauma, then without having to go through the trauma, you're going to come out a well-rounded human being. Like, like look at like, for instance, like DMX, like look at how torn up a human being he is, mm. even though he's ex- achieved so much. And, you know, you could say, Maybe he wouldn't have achieved that if he hadn't have gone through what he went through. But at the same time, if you're looking on the outside in and be like, oh, this is what he did, like pen on paper, this is what he did in order to get there. Maybe I can apply the same kind of skills 
and the same kind of like approach without having to go through the pain and the trauma. So I think this is definitely and masterpiece masterpiece story. Wow. Like it's just really I don't want to give nothing away because you need to watch it in its entirety and just take it all in, man, because it's a really good watch. Um do you guys catch some of the uh, the all or nothing TV show? The the one that focused on Spurs this time. Ban that football team, bro. Uh, I, <laughs> I you, do you know what? Not to deviate, but I tell you what, I did watch that was football wise. The Nelka story. Oh, that was amazing, wasn't it? And that's I'm watching no, that no. scene. I'm watching that scene. Not, yeah, I won't spoil it for you because you're an Arsenal fan. Mm. But yeah, that brother, boy, it, like I can kind of I kind of see. Why? Like, I kind of see both sides of the story because, like, you know how he kind of got blackballed towards the end of his career, which effectively forced him out of it. Like, I kind of see how he kind of brought it upon himself, but then I also see how cutthroat and like relentless the football game is. Like, just because you're good doesn't mean you're going to get treated well. Uh, it's one of them ones there. So it's like, again, that was a really good watch. And like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I'm not really a football fan like that, but when I see stories. Mm. about football or to do with footballers or like when you're talking about the main stage and like all the, the best of the best I'm on it like I was watching that and I was like I wonder when they're going to bring out like a like a Henri do you know what I mean like a Thierry Henri thing or like a Cantona I want to see Cantona I want to see Cantona's story because that guy mm. the way he he didn't he didn't play for France either so you got to think to yourself why are all these great French players yeah. for France there must be a reason yeah 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 I'm sure there is, uh, and uh, yeah, a, a film would probably a tele film would probably be a number one seller, man. That would, that would be big. Mm. Um, but yeah, to be fair, this all or nothing. It's not as good as the first one. The Man City one was amazing. Yeah, that was actually really special. And I think they've tried to cut and paste that same formula on onto Spurs, and Spurs isn't Man City. To be honest, it just wasn't that great. Shit, club. <laughs> what do you think of Spurs? Shit. Shit, this North London rivalry cracks me up. Bro. Nah, Spurs are right still. Always cracks me up because I'm just like, you man mm. are just literally two postcodes away from each other. Would you, before you just relax. Yeah. <laughs> it's called beefs and sport. How about that? So funny. Um, catch man outside of London though. Oh, are you a Spurs fan? Yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. Oh, North London, North London. Yeah. <laughs> that same energy where you go home and you see each other in Morrison's, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about sport, did you not catch the White versus Povetkin fight? I saw the bang. I saw him get <laughs> leveled. I saw the bang. <laughs> that's, that's what Jeez. I saw, and I said, nah, I can't watch this. Man. We're not doing this today. That fight I... was so crazy, man, because you know how boxing can be like chess, mm. where people are kind of like feeling each other out, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking a move ahead of their opponent, they've got some kind of tactics, and it seemed like the old boy had the ta- he had the upper hand with the tactics, man. He was picking his shots. He was winning on points, you know. And then we get to I think it was round five, and Povetkin just done him with with like a a little combo and then a hook, bang! No uppercut, and the guy was flat on his back after dominating the whole. You know he knocked him down twice. So you know if you knock someone down three times, that's a technical knockout and they're out of there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so we get to the fifth round, yeah. Dillian has knocked down Povetkin twice. You're thinking, all right, this might be the round where he gets the third knockdown and the fight's over. Mm. And it's just, I think that's one of those things where people say in heavyweight boxing, anything can happen. Mm. Any any heavyweight can knock out any heavyweight. All it takes is one punch because they've got that much power behind them. So, But it was just crazy, like, because it was just there, boom, boom, boom. 
and he just op and just you just saw a man's legs go. Like you knew as soon as you it was just yeah. Yeah, it was it was just it was curtains. It was so so curtains. Yeah, for me, Dillian White is just like I like I don't follow boxing, mm. so correct me if I'm wrong. But Dillian White just always seems to have a very, very <laughs> like funny and entertaining pre-game run-up. Like he's always chatting big talk. And Ooh. then when you get leveled like that, it's kind of like big man. Next time just keep your mouth shut. Like <laughs> Like you always just talk. But that's boxing, though, isn't it? Like, I boxing, know, but like you, you get, have to have the chat. Like, I don't know up. any quiet boxers. Just seems to get slapped like the worst in the worst way, and I'm just like, ah, oh, mm. that's a bit of a shame because I enjoyed the pre the the pre fight banner. But if uppercuts have done him, banner, him a few times, isn't it? I swear, yeah. I swear, AJ, I swear, AJ like put him to sleep with a, with an uppercut as well. Same thing, bro. Protect yeah, I think it was both. <laughs> I think it was both uppercuts. But yeah, nah. Shout out to shout out to man, Dillian White. You can. No, I got yeah, man. I like yeah, Dillian. Cool. He's a hard fight. He's a tough fighter, man. But he yeah. just got caught slipping, and he seems like a. He seems like when he was in school, he was a scrappers. Mm. Like he was just one of them them hefty youths that was just like, he's just like if you come near him, he'll bang you in your face. <laughs> but like, but like, mm. take him the length. He's not got the stamina. Like best to make best to make him your friend, didn't it? So if you got yeah, any problems, that... hey, shut up, bro. I'm gonna call Dillian. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, a... okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, you know Dilly? Yeah, say that, say that. He's my brother's cousin's like window cleaner. Them, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> for for familiarity and that. But nah, like shout out man, like Dillian White, UK boxer. Yeah, he will definitely chat shit. That's just the way it works, yeah. <laughs> bro. It is. Um, Ash, I think you ready to talk. You wanted to talk about um, a little something else, maybe something a little bit more emotional. Yeah. Um, so last week, Saturday, I woke up to news that really rocked me to my core. Um, Chadwick Boseman's um, death um, at the age of 43 to colon cancer was like a, a, an immense shock to me. And I know we, we spoke about it on um, Play On last week. Um but it's just, it's kind of, it's stuck with me. And there's been a couple of deaths this year, like him, Kobe. There's been, there's, obviously, there's been multiple deaths. But when you're kind of our age, kind of about to go into our 40s, um, within the next kind of like five to seven years, mm. and you just look at like these, these, these guys who are like elite in what they do, like what they stand for, their family, like... They're family men. They've got their 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 partners or wives or like children, um, and they've had they've made they've left such an imprint on society that when you hear the news that they've kind of passed, it really does rock you. And I just felt like, yeah, I don't know. Like I just think the older you get, the more you kind of like get like come to terms with like with your mortality, um, and just actually seeing that and just all that he kind of stood for, the amount of stuff that he kind of went through as well to still develop like to give us some amazing films to give um, us Black Panther, that character. Obviously, he's just an exponent of, of, of the story, but mm-hmm. for him to kind of bring it to life, and I spoke about my son earlier on, like Black Panther's one of his favourite toys. For him to see like a black superhero on TV and aspire to be that, it's just, it, it, it meant so much. And yeah, just kind of a week on from that happening, still... Like, for all the laughs and jokes and the good banter and the good vibes that we've kind of had, it really did make me just kind of, like, live life, like, a lot last weekend. And, like, it's just really giving me that other me- that message again to just go, like, enjoy life, 
don't have any kind of regrets. Don't don't kind of hold back. Don't overthink things because you never really know what tomorrow has for you. And um, yeah, it is. It's weird. Like even talking about it now, I still kind of really feel. I feel it. I feel it. And I think it's weird. Back in the day when like famous people used to pass away, I was like, oh, another famous person like passed. But now it's like, oh, it hits differently. Like it's it settles in you a bit a bit longer and you just become more and more aware of like your limitations physically. Um, and just, yeah, just for him to do that again, I just wanted to kind of like doff my hat to him one more time. Um, say like rest in eternal peace to him, condolences to the family. And um, yeah, just thank you for all you did in, in spite of your condition. Mm. I think that's the big part is that like, it wasn't, it wasn't mainstream news that he had colon mm. and he banged out what, like mm. or four films in that time. Mm. Not talking DBDB films, we're talking what are we talking here? We've got Captain America, Civil War, Black Panther, his, uh, you know, both 21 Bridges, his 21 Bridges, The Five Bloods. Like, these are big productions, man. And he did all of that, and you didn't hear so much of us a complaint about it. He didn't go on like this uh, virtuous path and start telling people how to live their life, mm. you know, life is too short kind of kind of um, parade. He basically just lived his life, and then he just, one minute he's gone. And it's just like raw. Man did all of that and didn't and just focused on, you know, sending out the good message and being a a pillar for what he represents. Mm. And I think that's that's the that's the sad part for me is obviously I don't know him personally. Obviously his family will be feeling, you know, uh, you know, losing somebody to cancer is never it's always gonna be untimely. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you're just like what he meant to the greater community that he represented. Mm. You know, that's something. And like you said before, he, he represents, you know, the Black Panther. But when you really know what the Black Panther movie and the way it's written and what... Like, growing up, Ash and even Kyle, like, what superhero did we associate with? Batman. Have, we had... Batman, but, Superman. But, bruv, we had, like, in terms of black, we had Meteor Man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's 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 how much Hollywood respected us. We had Meteor Man. Yeah. Was, I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was a hero, but for me, Blade was 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 one. Blade, of yeah, Blade was the first and even one. Then, Blade was a hero, but because you know what I mean, like he it was, was a vampire thing in it. It was a bit. He's been like it was an a anti-hero. Like, yeah, it's a bit different still. Christian household. Oh, mom, I want to be Blade for. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. True story. <laughs> You'll get fist up at the door, fam. You'll get taken. Bad man. Just so. straight away. Yeah, we've got Luke Cage now. You know things are a bit different. Yeah. To be fair, remember that like, the Green Lantern. There is a there is a black Green Lantern because remember Green Lantern is whoever's got the ring, right? So yeah, exactly. I do remember seeing like a black Green Lantern. Yeah. And we got the Miles Morales Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, so had, growing, I mean growing had, up uh, now, I think is it, there's going to be a lot of positive mm. black role models, a lot more than what we had. Yeah, and just a lot more superheroes and characters that are relevant in today's culture, today's society. For the youth, them so, and I, I think say, that's, and that's, say, that's only a thing. I'll say this, and Black like, Panther's one of them. Yeah, exactly. And the representation that black people, like, not to segue too far away, but black people have, it's like it's all well and good for black children to see positive role models in the media. But you know, if you've got a good family setup, you can kind of be that black role model in your child's life. When you're the black role model, when you're black role model, and you're representing positive black images to people outside of our culture, that for me is massively important also. So I'm curious to know, and obviously being living in Scotland for so long, I'm always curious to know what my white counterparts and my Scottish counterparts think about 
certain black people and certain black images. I'm like, all right, I know what they're like. I know what they represent. But what do you get from this? What, what do you what do you see? What's your perspective on Black Panther? Do you see it as being a representation of like the struggles and, you know, the riches that, you know, Africa has, but has to keep a secret just in case it's being used? You know what I mean? Like, what's your kind of focus on it? And I think when you've got people like Chadwick Boseman, who, when you look at his like media presence, there's never a, there's never been a scandal. There's never been like an uproar about something he's done on Twitter or something that he said in an interview. He's just been consistently positive and represented, you know, his culture or our culture to the highest. And to have somebody like him, and even uh, yeah, to have somebody like him pass away, it's just like damn, like we had a good one. Cancer took him, but you know. We just got to keep keep that kind of momentum going. And yeah, I'm interested to see how they're going to play out with uh, Black Panther 2 because obviously that doesn't come out until... Well, it's not, it wasn't scheduled to come out until two, May, two, year. May 2020. 2022. That's when it's scheduled to come out. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're going to... They They've gonna... got plenty of time, haven't they? They've got plenty of time to, write, to rewrite. Um, I saw one idea on social media where they said... Um, you know, they should kind of write a uh, Black Panther a script. Don't do like some dodgy uh, bootleg CGI stuff and, and keep yeah. um, and keep Boseman around um, and don't recast someone to play his role. Just kind of like write him out of the script, uh, have like a memorial for him at the start of the movie and then yeah. and then have Killmonger come back. Use one of the Infinity yeah. Stones to bring Killmonger back and have Killmonger take his place as the king of Wakanda. And as the new Black Panther, and I said, "Wow, that's actually a really powerful way of of, um, of moving the franchise forward with Killmonger as the new Black Panther. That would be dope." Do you know what else? I, another one that I heard on Finger is that don't replace. The, I'm reading this out. Don't replace T'Challa. Give his sister the seat at the front, mm. just like in the comics. Apparently, this is what happens mm. in the comics. Give our young black girls the heritage they dream of. Yeah, sure. Like that, and I think that's and there's actually someone's mocked up some artwork to go with it, and it, I'm like, do you know what? The way Black Panther was moving by making the whole like royal army female, I said that that wouldn't be weird. It wouldn't be out of script or out of character to write in his sister. And then remember how Black Panther ended with his sister becoming where he bought that building, and his sister becoming the um, the head of um, um, sciences at this building, mm. which is basically effectively starting the school. And you know, for her to become the leader now wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be weird. It's just more. I'm more curious to see how they're gonna maneuver and transition from T'Challa being at the height of his you know royalty and his success in in the Marvel universe to basically not being there anymore. Mm. Like I'm curious to see how they're gonna phase that. Are they gonna use? Are they gonna have like little story plots, Black Panther story plots in other Marvel films leading up to it, or are they just gonna kind of skim over it? But we just have to wait and see, man. That's, these things happen. It's, I think I, yeah. I can't remember a sequel that was due to come out where the lead actor, the protagonist, has passed away. So I can't even remember anything like that. Mm. Where a film has had to be completely rewritten because in real life it can't be duplicated or, or planned out. Um, Heath, Heath Ledger passed away um, making uh, one of the Batman movies, didn't he? Yeah, Dark Knight, but it was wrapped up. So he yeah. he basically, he done it when, like, the kind of the run was starting for the, the stuff. So I think he was wrapped up from just before, and then you think he passed away in the February, and then the film came out in the May. 
So, I'm trying to think like, of what movie because there was one where someone was like they fully used CGI to 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 render them because they'd passed away. I just not coming to mind at the moment, but I think it's yeah. kind of been done before. But um, yeah, let's see how they do. It's interesting to see how they would do a Black Panther. I think TV. some of it's been shot, so I've heard that's a lot of like some because remember these films sometimes are shot like two three years in advance, isn't it? Mm. So I think some of the scenes or some some of the bits of it they've already started certain aspects of it. Um, and also, if he's yeah. fighting with a mask on, that could literally be anybody. Mm. It would be it would be the bits outside of the mask. Yeah, that, that would need to be done. I mean, that's but, what yeah. touched on with the whole like, if you're gonna like the CGI thing, like CGI's face onto somebody else's like mm. or whatever. But I mean, it can easily be done. I mean, two years is a long time in mm. like in the, the tech world in like mm. the software. So it could be done. And it might not look any different, but who knows, man? Yeah, they could do. You know, them ones where you've got like an actor that looks like him, like a stunt double, and they film it from behind, and you know, and he's having a conversation with somebody who kills him, and you just hard though, no! he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but it's just because he's the main character it is really difficult. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's whole there's a whole storyline in the comics as well, so it's like. You know, you want the movie to be faithful to, to the comics yeah, arcs as well. Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. He'll be sorely missed. Um, but yeah, man, I think we're like, we've been talking for a good old long time. Yeah. There's a few more stories, but uh, I'm knackered. I'm sure you guys are knackered. Um, and uh, it's, it's probably time to call it a day, man. Um, I will just kind of end by shouting at John Boyega with the flipping, the GQ... Uh, cover posing in a flipping hood top on the cover of GQ. Only a South London man would do that, innit? Shout out to Jamaica. <laughs> but the whole shoot, if you if you if you look up his uh his GQ shoot, the whole shoot is fly like there's some crazy outfits. Um it was just the cover that he did in a hoodie, which I don't know if he had input in that or not. I'd probably have to read the article. Um, but yeah, man, like he's definitely looking fly on the cover of GQ, Roadman style. Still, I'm here um, for it, man. Represent, represent the culture. This is what the mandem look like. I most definitely yeah, representation is always important, um, and that's 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 what we wear. That's what we bought. So yeah, shout out to you, Aleem. Um, is there anything you would like to say to the people before you bow out gracefully? Um. In these times of uh, these time, these changing times, uh, I think with the whole Chadwick Boseman, with the whole COVID situation, I like to quote somebody who uh, the, the great Barack Obama. I say great, like he's passed away. He's still here. Um, be kind and be useful. If you can't be kind all the time, at least be useful. If you can't be useful all the time, at least be kind. Mm. Perfect. Um, yeah, man. Um, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Um, <laughs> I've been Cal. Yeah, I've been Ash. Thanks so much for coming on, Ali, man. Like, it's been, it's been dope, right, man. man. I know that like, we've wanted to do this for a little while. Um, so yeah, it was lovely to kind of have you on. I know we started off a bit sweet at the start, but yeah, we got into it. And, um, yeah. And again, Carl, dope, like, as always, thank you so much for everything you do behind the scenes. I know Ben done this where he gave kind of everyone their flowers on Instagram this week. And I just want to do the same, like the whole BRB team, Ryan, 
um, Ben, I know you guys aren't on. Cal, thank you guys, man, because you guys make this what it is. Big up, man. Everyone plays their part, man. Shout out to you guys as well. It is all definitely, most definitely love. Um, oh, before we sign out, Aleem, um, can you give us your socials so that people can find you online? Yeah, it's uh, on all platforms, DJ Ellington. Um, it's DJ E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N-E. And yeah, I'm I'm on all of it, mate. I'm on all of it. You can contact me all the time. Um, yeah, if you've got any questions about, like, like I said at the beginning, about business, um, if I don't have the answers, I have a network of people that do have answers that might help you. Um, if you're talking DJ-wise, or even if you want to just come up to Scotland and see what's going on, then let me know. That's it, at DJ Ellington. I feel like I've messed up for calling you by your government name, man. I should have been calling you Ellington the whole time. <laughs> people actually meet me in real life. I never say, oh, my name's DJ Ellington. That's a bit weird. I just say my name's Ellington. But, like, in terms of, like, if I'm on a flyer, that's the DJ Ellington. That's the brand. But, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm a real person behind the brand, so I am who I am. There you go. We've met the man behind the brand, and you can catch him on the gram, fam. And I'm out. <laughs> it's your man, Cal Serious. Peace. Bam. Deuces.